www.ebsradio.com. Monday, the 13th of November. As we begin the week, let's pray for all those who are unemployed uh, through the intercession of St. Joseph in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Silent and well-known carpenter in Nazareth, model of workers, by the work of your hands, you gave your contribution to the work of creator. You er work of the creator. You earned your living and you provided for the needs of the Holy Family. Intercede for all workers in the difficulties of their daily lives, especially for the unemployed and their anxieties for tomorrow, so that through the guidance of God, the great architect and builder, they may use their strength and talents to make visible God's new creation, to offer a concrete service to society, and to earn wages worthy of their efforts. With confidence and trust, we make this prayer through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. St. Joseph, pray for us, and we're praying for all of you who are in the job search at any level of it. Uh, you know, there's a lot of seasonal work available this time of year, but I know a lot of you who've got families and all kinds of things to take care of would probably uh, like something a little bit more than seasonal work. So we're praying for you, especially as we get closer to Thanksgiving, Christmas, the whole winter series of stuff. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lachman at the controls. Travis has our video feed up and running. You can link to it in the show notes at Sunrise Morning Show. Dot com. We'll take a look at this week in Catholic history with Kevin Schmeezing, as we do to kick off every week. Father Patrick Briscoe will get us ready for the USCCB's meeting. Uh, I don't know if they call it the November meeting, the fall meeting, the autumn meeting, the pre-thanks, whatever it is they call it. Uh, Father Briscoe is going to give us a little bit of a preview of that. Father John Gavin has more thoughts from the Church Fathers in the Catechism. And then Dr. Matthew Bunsen will talk about one of the saints who's on the calendar today, Pope St. Nicholas the first from the ninth century. So stay with us if you can. Right now it is two minutes past. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu says there may be a deal in the works to free more hostages being held by Hamas. Appearing on NBC's Meet the Press yesterday, Netanyahu did not go into any detail, saying the chances of a deal are better the less he talks about it. He did say Israel was, quote, not close at all to any agreement until its forces began a ground operation into Gaza. The prime minister was responding to reports of a possible deal for the release of as many as 80 women, children and the elderly being held captive. During his Angelus address yesterday, Pope Francis prayed again for peace in the Holy Land after praying for Sudan. From Vatican Radio, Thaddeus Jones reports. Pope Francis has called attention to the serious humanitarian crisis in Sudan caused by the ongoing civil war in the African nation that shows no signs of abating. The Pope decried the many victims, including millions of internally displaced persons and refugees in neighboring countries. The Pope said he's close to the sufferings of the dear populations of Sudan. And he addresses a heartfelt appeal to local leaders to facilitate access to humanitarian aid and with the contribution of the international community to work in search of peaceful solutions. 
Pope said, let us not forget these brothers and sisters of ours who are in distress. The Pope then spoke about the desperate situation regarding Israel and Palestine, underscoring his closeness to all those suffering, Palestinians and Israelis. He said he remembers and prays for them every day, and he offers them his embrace at this dark moment. The Pope exclaimed, may the weapons be stopped. They will never lead to peace, and may the conflict not spread. Enough, enough, brothers. He said, in Gaza, let the wounded be rescued immediately, and let civilians be protected, and let far more humanitarian aid be allowed to reach that stricken population. The Pope prayed also that may the hostages be freed, including the elderly and children. And he stressed that Every human being, Christian, Jewish, Muslim, of any people or religion, every human being is sacred, is precious in the eyes of God, and has the right to live in peace. Let us not lose hope and let us pray and work tirelessly so that the sense of humanity may prevail over hardness of heart. I'm Thaddeus Jones. Pope Francis over the weekend relieved Bishop Joseph Strickland from his care of the Diocese of Tyler, Texas. This move coming after the Vatican had ordered an apostolic visitation into the governance of the diocese. The move was confirmed on Saturday. Bishop Strickland was reportedly asked but declined to resign. The outspoken bishop has been a harsh critic of the Pope, especially on social media, accusing him of undermining the deposit of faith. An apostolic administrator has been appointed to the Diocese of Tyler. A state of emergency is being declared in Los Angeles as the result of a pallet fire that has shut down a main highway indefinitely. Governor Gavin Newsom said in a statement Saturday night that the state is mobilizing resources to complete repairs and minimize the impact for travel in and around Los Angeles. The fire was first reported early Saturday morning at a storage yard underneath the 10 freeway. Officials hope to open at least one lane today. New York City Mayor Eric Adams is defending himself against accusations that the FBI is investigating his role in a Turkish consulate project. Mark Mayfield reports. The FBI is reportedly focusing on text messages related to the opening of the Turkish government's consulate in Manhattan. Federal investigators are looking into whether or not the texts from Adams helped fast-track the opening of the new building in 2021. This comes after the FBI raided the Brooklyn home of his top fundraiser. Adams has said he will fully cooperate with investigators. I'm Mark Mayfield. And Major League Baseball will announce its individual awards this week. First up today will be National and American League Rookie of the Year. The Manager of the Year will be handed down tomorrow. The Cy Young on Wednesday and the MVP in both the NL and AL will be announced on Thursday. Any predictions for Rookie of the Year, Matt? Uh, I got my National League prediction for sure. Yeah. Um, I'm a little fuzzy on the American League because I don't watch the American League as much. Sure. But Cor- I think if they don't give it to Corbin Carroll of the Diamondbacks, then I don't know who they give it mm. to. Yeah. But other we than that. We had some good rookies on the Reds. But... We had lots of good rookies on the Reds. I mean, out of all the people on the Reds, Spencer Steer yeah. would be the guy. I think he might be up for a silver slugger. Really? Oh, I don't but, know. Uh, but, yeah, the the problem with the rookies for the Reds is they all played, like, we didn't really start bringing him up until, like, June, and then we brought up, like, one a month. Yeah. And we had some – I mean, if Matt McClain had played a full series, oh, full man, season, I know, you know right? that could have been – Yeah, that could have been big for him. But I don't know. I, I think Corbin Carroll, the Diamondbacks, 
okay. think he might be your guy. All right. He he was enough of a game changer in the world of the Diamondbacks mm-hmm. that they made a run that they that nobody thought they were gonna make. That's my thought. <laughs> the cool. AL. They all, I just don't pay as much attention to it. Yeah, I get it. No offense to our American League listeners. I don't know why I ignore you. We've got the designated hitter down, too. So. I know, right? It's eight minutes past the hour. I have been a school sister of Notre Dame for 72 years. Most senior Catholic sisters, brothers, and religious order priests serve for years with little pay. I always taught the primary grades, and I loved it. Today, hundreds of religious communities lack retirement funds. Your gift to the Retirement Fund for Religious helps provide medications and care. Please give to those who have given a lifetime. Thank you, and God bless you a hundredfold. Donate at your local parish. Support is from Affirm Films comes Journey to Bethlehem, a Christmas musical film for the whole family. This wasn't a dream. An angel came to me. You are in danger, Mary. This child... What is his name? Jesus. Journey to Bethlehem, starring Fiona Palomo, Milo Mannheim, Lecrae, Joel Smallbone, and Antonio Banderas. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. In theaters everywhere now. Soundtrack also available. More information is at journeytobethlehem.com. It is time for a look at this week in Catholic history with Kevin Schmeising, author of A Catholic Pilgrimage Through American History. Kevin, good morning. Hey, Matt. Good morning. You know, we've been talking a lot about governors lately. Which governor are we talking about today? Yeah, we have been talking about the complicated question, the first Catholic governor. And this would be one candidate, Matt, Peter Burnett, uh, elected in California this week in 1849. It depends how you define the term. So Peter Burnett um, was born in 1807 in Nashville, Tennessee, into a slaveholding family. He was raised in Missouri, failed to prosper there. And so like many other Americans at this time, seeking a new start, he headed west. He spent several years in Oregon, where he became involved in politics. It was during that time that he also became interested in Catholicism. He had been a member of the Disciples of Christ, and one part of his conversion story is reading the 1837 Purcell-Campbell debate. That's an episode we've talked about before, a public debate between one of the founders of the Disciples of Christ, Alexander Campbell, and the Bishop of Cincinnati, John Purcell. With his wife and children, Burnett joined the Catholic Church in Oregon City in 1846. Two years later, he joined the gold rush to California, made a fortune there in land speculation, and on November 13th, this week in 1849, after California achieved independence from Mexico, but before it was a U.S. state, Burnett was elected as its first governor. California became a state in 1850. Burnett resigned shortly thereafter, apparently due to personal financial troubles, he recovered, though, and later served as a California Supreme Court justice, a bank president, and in other capacities. He died in 1895 and is buried at the cemetery of the Mission of Santa Clara. There had been a number of institutions in California named after him, but many of those have been renamed in recent years in light of racially discriminatory, discriminatory policies he promoted and enforced during his time as governor. The Catholic convert Peter Burnett was elected governor of California this week in 1849. All right. We've also got a Jesuit to talk about this week. And, uh, well, I mean, I never know when I'm bringing up a Jesuit if it's going to be more controversial or less controversial than the last piece we discussed. 
<laughs> you're about to find out. So this is another Peter. This one, not a convert, but Matt, you hinted at it. He was also involved in a controversy, though of a different sort. This one is Father Peter Gumpel, and he was born 100 years ago this week, November 15th, 1923. Born in Hanover, the son of German nobility, part of the Hohenzollern dynasty. This was a fact that Gumpel hid during his life. He changed his surname and told very few people about it. It only became widely known after his death. Some say his motivation was humility, others that it was a means of protecting himself and his family during the rise of Nazism in Germany, which occurred while he was a boy. Gumpel's grandfather and cousin were in fact executed by the Nazis. They were targeted because of the family's aristocratic stature, their devout Catholicism, and their opposition to Nazism and anti-Semitism. Peter himself fled Germany. He spent some time in the Netherlands, where he was part of the anti-Nazi resistance. There he joined the Society of Jesus. He had decided on that path as a child with the help of advice given by a family friend, the papal nuncio to Germany, Eugenio Pacelli, who would become Pope Pius XII. In 1960, Gumpel was appointed as the Jesuit procurator in the Congregation for the Causes of Saints. That's where he would spend most of the rest of his life. He assisted with more than 100 causes, including those of American saints, Kateri Tekawitha, Philippine Duchesne, and Catherine Drexel. But his name is most closely associated with the cause of a not-yet-saint, Pope Pius XII. During the controversies over Pius's relationship with Nazism and Jews that has raged off and on over the last 60 years or so, Gumpel emerged as one of the Pope's most redoubtable defenders. His defense was successful as far as the Vatican was concerned. Pope Benedict XVI declared Pius XII venerable in 2009. His cause awaits the necessary miracles for beatification and canonization. Father Peter Gumpel died in 2022, a month away from his 99th birthday, because his day of birth was this week, back in 1923. Wow, when you said that there was someone who was born in 1923, I thought, oh, well, that's interesting. Uh, you know, we'll find out what the long view of history is in regard to that person. But my goodness, <laughs> I didn't realize he lived that long. What an extraordinary story and what extraordinary implications. And uh, who knows what uh, his passing might allow for more exploration in regard to. Kevin Schmeezing, we've got your book, A Catholic Pilgrimage Through American History, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Thank you, as always. Have a great day. Thanks, Matt. You too. Let's check on weather heading into the work week. A stalled cold front off the Gulf Coast will continue to bring rain showers and thunderstorms to the region. The timing would be that the southeast and western central Gulf Coast would hit get hit in the morning, then the southern plains and lower Mississippi Valley in the afternoon, afternoon and evening. I don't know why I tried that sentence. An area of low pressure will be moving across south-central Canada, bringing wintry weather to the northeast. Southern New York will get rain. Northern New York and Vermont will get a mix of rain and snow. Snow also looking likely in the higher elevations of Vermont, New Hampshire, and portions of Maine. That's not too crazy for November. Uh, looks like a slow Pacific storm system will continue to affect the northwest with rain showers at the coastline from central California to Washington. Mix of rain and snow possible at the higher elevations of Washington, Oregon, Idaho, and Montana. Otherwise, dry and quiet for most of the rest of the USA. Right now, it is a quarter past. We're back with headlines right after this. 
Support is for MediShare. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that is MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for health care can save many families up to 500 bucks a month, and that is huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The member satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works, too. It's been around for 30 years. Members have shared more than $5 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, really, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan you're happy with. You can call right now. You'll get a price within two minutes. So see what you can say. This is a very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. Call 844-55-BIBLE. That's 844-55-BIBLE. 844-55-BIBLE. We know a lot of you love anything pumpkin flavored and others, well, not so much. But the Mystic Monks of Wyoming are taking care of both of you with their coffee. That's right. Their seasonal favorite pumpkin spice blend is available along with other normal flavors. And when you purchase them after clicking the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. One of the reasons we should go to Mass is because it is the food of the saints that we receive. And for the saints, they understood rightly that the time after Holy Communion, that those moments are the most precious moments of our lives. The Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, live from the EWTN Chapel, every morning, 8 Eastern, on EWTN Radio and Television. 17 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna with headlines. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu says there may be a deal in the works to free more hostages being held by Hamas. Pope Francis over the weekend relieved Bishop Joseph Strickland from the care of his Diocese of Tyler, Texas. And during his Angelus address yesterday, Pope Francis reflected on the Sunday Gospel asking if we have enough oil in our lamps. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Anna Mitchell, I try not to comment about things I don't know about, mm-hmm. um, but I did see a story come across. I, I woke up to, to the, a little soundbite, and I thought that it would be worth responding, and you might be interested in it, too. Okay. So um, Megan Rapino from the U.S. Oh. Women's National Team. Okay. Um, she, unfortunately, I'm very sorry to hear on, for, for her sake, uh, in her last game... A few minutes in, uh, injured what appears to be her Achilles, not completely unlike what happened to Aaron Rodgers in his first game as a Jet. Mm, okay. And uh, she was asked about it after, after in the press conference, she said a bunch of different things about it. Um, but among them, she said, I'm not a religious person or anything, and if there was a God, like, this is proof that there isn't. And she goes on to say a couple things that because I should not say on Catholic Radio. Because she injured her Achilles? Right. And then she said, six minutes in, I eat my Achilles. All right. So I don't I don't want to talk necessarily about Megan. Sure. Uh, because that's a different kind of conversation. And we are all, as I am, I am hoping everybody is aware, everyone is on a journey. Yeah. Everyone is on a journey. Mm-hmm. But the idea that you uh, having some sort of uh, bad thing befall you is proof that God does not exist actually 
so that might work if you were a prosperity gospel right. person, right? Yeah. Uh, although if you're a prosperity gospel person, your first default move would be maybe I don't have enough, enough faith. faith. Yeah. Uh, now, there would be some other kinds of ways to look at that. As a matter of fact, uh, C.S. Lewis would say, um, and actually a bunch of other philosophers would probably tell you that the best argument against the existence of God is the problem of evil and suffering in the world, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But adversity in general doesn't prove or disprove anything. It just, if anything, all it proves is free will and original sin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So maybe there's a different way to kind of reframe a certain question. I mean, I it, it's such a strange perspective from my standpoint to think I injured my Achilles. You can fill in, by the way, any kind of mishap that could happen to anybody listening. Well, yeah, but I mean, it's like, especially when you're playing sports and you're playing professional sports. It's usually a natural consequence. It's, yeah. I saw like five Baltimore Ravens get carted off in the course of the game. Did you really, I mean, like, is God's role really to like prevent you from getting injured i mean i don't know i i don't know that's just that's hard for me there are to layers and layers swallow. To this question. yeah praying for you get better megan same here attention sacred heart radio volunteers wednesday december 6th is our advent pledge drive And we need volunteers to answer phones from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. that day. If you can help, even for an hour, call 513-731-7740. Or visit sacredheartradio.com and click volunteer. We need your help to raise $60,000 on Wednesday, December 6th. If you can answer phones anytime that day, please visit sacredheartradio.com and click volunteer. Why wait in endless lines at the pharmacy when Brozart Pharmacy, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, can fill your prescriptions in a timely manner with high quality. Brozart Pharmacy, fast, friendly service without the wait at brosartpharmacy.com. Pregnancy Center West is committed to protecting the unborn by encouraging women to see and choose the beauty of life while offering practical assistance for them and their families. Donate securely online at supportpcw.org. That's supportpcw.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Gate of Heaven Cemetery, serving the Archdiocese of Cincinnati for 76 years. They extend their heartfelt thanks to the community for entrusting Gate of Heaven to assist them during their time of sorrow. Share the gift of gratitude with your loved ones this Thanksgiving by attending a pre-planning seminar November 21st at 11 a.m., 2 p.m., or 6 p.m. More information at 513-489-0300 or email community at gateofheaven.org. Looking for a special gift for a loved one this holiday season? Consider an offering of rest, prayer, and a time for reflection. Give the gift of a weekend retreat at the Jesuit Spiritual Center, a time to get away from the busyness of life and embrace God's love and mercy. Call now at 513-248-3500 for more information. That's 513-248-3500. It's 23 minutes past the hour. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Happy Monday, everybody. Welcome to a new week. Feast of St. Francis Xavier Cabrini. 
pray for us. And Pope St. Nicholas I. We'll talk about him later with Dr. Matthew Bunsen. Father Patrick Briscoe joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. He is editor of Our Sunday Visitor. Good morning, Father. Good morning, Anna. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for joining us. So the U.S. bishops are gathering in Baltimore for their fall general assembly this week. And I've got to start out with this because it's the big news of the weekend. Notably not going to be with them is the now former bishop of Tyler, Texas, Bishop Joseph Strickland. Uh, Do you think this is going to be the elephant in the room in Baltimore this week? Yeah, it's a good question, Anna. I mean, I do, I do recall after Bishop Martin Hawley was relieved of the administration of the Diocese of Memphis in Tennessee, that Bishop Hawley did attend the fall meeting. Um, and it seems that it seems that um, Bishop Hawley was removed from from his uh, oversight of the diocese for administrative re- reasons, and something like that could be the case with Bishop Strickland. Although certainly uh, Bishop Hawley didn't have the same kind of public presence, uh, the, the Twitter profile and all of the rest uh, that Bishop Strickland did. So so he could, he, you know, for all we know, he could show up in Baltimore, but, but I, I think it would be unlikely. Yeah, I think he said on social media that he is not planning on attending, um, which will make the conversation in the hall a little, shall we say, less interesting. <laughs> He's always been pretty outspoken in his opinions at these meetings, right? Well, it's it's true, and in fact, um, one of the points that we're certainly going to see debated at length is abortion. Um, yeah. The bishops are going to reissue uh, faithful citizenship, forming consciousness for faithful citizen, citizenship, the advisory and catechetical document, uh, teaching on how to approach elections. And during the last update to that document, um, now Cardinal McElroy of San Diego, then Bishop McElroy, uh, objected to some of the language about abortion. And Bishop Strickland was one of the first bishops to respond, along with Archbishop Chaput, who is retired, um, to, to take a, the opposing view from Cardinal McElroy. So, so that, uh, that coming debate about faithful citizenship and certainly about abortion, uh, you know, is, is the kind of place where we would have seen typically an intervention from Bishop Strickland. Well, I wanted to ask you about the topic of abortion with the meetings moving forward because I saw that faithful citizenship was on the agenda. I mean, this coming in the wake, I mean, what? It's a little more than a year since Roe v. Wade has been overturned, and the pro-life movement has suffered a number of defeats um, when abortion has been put up for a vote most recently here in Ohio, Father Briscoe, it was a devastating loss. In Ohio, we are enshrining abortion in the state constitution. I mean, there is a lot of work to be done to establish a culture of life and legally protect the unborn. Absolutely. I don't think it could be any more clear that uh, that our political initiatives begin with abortion, that it is, that it is the preeminent political issue of our day. Uh, but, 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 but we'll certainly see what, what, the bishops, uh, what the bishops decide. I think, that, uh, I think that one of the things that has been argued in the past is that the emphasis on abortion uh, separates the bishops from their union with Pope Francis, and that's just not true. The Holy Father is extremely pro-life, and there would be no reason to be cautious about that, to be cautious about that. So, 
So again, we'll see what they say. We'll see what they say in the meeting along those lines. I mean, I never heard Benedict the Sixteenth compare abortion to hiring a hitman. Um, exactly. Yes. So I'm example. really not yes. sure where they're getting that idea from that this would somehow separate themselves from Pope Francis. But what else is on the agenda this week that you're going to be watching, Father? Well, some things are some things are uh, administrative things that are that are encouraging or interesting, such as the uh, such as the vote to support uh, the bishops of England and Wales uh, in their move to propose John Henry Newman as a doctor of the church. Mm, nice. uh, so that, that's, a, that's a kind of a spiritual and interesting thing, and that would cement um, certainly John Henry Newman's contributions to theology, which are extraordinary. Another, another move that, would, that, that could impact the faithful would be um, advancing Mother Teresa to be an, an optional memorial on the liturgical calendar so that she could be regularly uh, regularly celebrated in a in a in a kind of stable way um so 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 votes like this that that uh that would uh that that would uh coordinate the way or direct the way we celebrate some of the saints um we'll also see we'll also see updates from the synod i mean that that's going to be one of the livelier discussions i expect um that'll be led by bishop flores um, uh, among others, so so that that kind of presentation of 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 the synod publicly among the U.S. bishops will be, will be something to watch. Yeah, that's also going to be a place where Bishop Strickland's voice will be noticeably absent, I think. But uh, Archbishop Cordelione of of San Francisco has certainly been vocal in that regard. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, and of course we have uh, also on the synod we have. Uh, Bishop Kevin Rhodes of Fort Wayne South Bend, uh, who, who has been actively involved in the Doctrine Committee, as well as a lot of the, the approaches to the sin of the church in the U.S., he's got a strong voice there. So will our Sunday visitor be covering all of this this week, Father? Absolutely. Please follow us at OurSundayVisitor.com. You can find that linked at SunriseMorningShow.com. Check out all their great coverage of the news in the church and around the world. Father, it was good to talk to you. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me on. You bet. And you can find all of our guests linked at Sunrise Morning Show in our show notes. Click on that subscribe button so that it all comes to your inbox every morning as we go on the air. SonriseMorningShow.com. Half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu says there may be a deal in the works to free more hostages currently being held by Hamas. Appearing on NBC's Meet the Press, Netanyahu did not go into any detail, saying the chances of a deal are better the less he talks about it. He did say Israel was not close at all to any agreement until its forces began a ground operation into Gaza. The prime minister was responding to reports of a possible deal for the release of as many as 80 women, children, and the elderly being held captive. Pope Francis appealed again for the Holy Land during his Angelus address yesterday. He said, quote, may the weapons be stopped. They will never lead to peace and may the conflict not widen enough, enough brothers. He said in Gaza, let the wounded be rescued immediately. Let civilians be protected. Let far more humanitarian aid be allowed to reach that stricken population. May the hostages be freed, including the elderly and children, he said. Every human being, Christian, Jewish, Muslim, of any people or religion, every human being is sacred 
is precious in the eyes of God and has the right to live in peace. He said, let us not lose hope. Let us pray and work tirelessly so that the sense of humanity may prevail over hardness of heart. The Holy Father also had prayers for the dire situation happening currently in Sudan. During his Angelus Address catechesis yesterday, the Pope reflected on the parable of the Ten Virgins, which we heard in the Gospel. From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano-Luboff reports. The parable in the Gospel reading according to the Pope well, that's not going to work right now. We'll try to get back to that in just a second. Pope Francis, over the weekend, relieved Bishop Joseph Strickland from his care of the Diocese of Tyler, Texas. This move coming after a Vatican-ordered apostolic, apostolic visitation into the governance of the diocese. The move was confirmed on Saturday. Bishop Strickland was reportedly asked but declined to resign. The outspoken bishop has been a harsh critic of the Pope, accusing him on social media of undermining the deposit of the faith. An apostolic administrator has been appointed to the Tyler Diocese. Let's go back and try this from the Angelus yesterday, the Holy Father reflecting on the parable of the ten virgins. Here's Deborah Castellano-Luboff. The parable in the Gospel reading according to St. Matthew, the Pope said, regards the meaning of life of each person while acknowledging that all those bridesmaids are there to welcome the bridegroom as they are there with their lamps waiting the pope said the difference between the wise and the foolish ones was tied to the preparation the wise ones he observed took flasks of oil with their lamps that is to say the unseen element that generated the light however the foolish ones on the other hand did not the Pope said that that was the difference and observed that oil's characteristic is that it cannot be seen. It is inside the lamps. It is not conspicuous, but without it, the lamps do not give light. The Holy Father urged faithful to see the relevance of this parable in their own lives. Jesus says he insisted that the wisdom of life lies elsewhere and taking care of what cannot be seen, but is more important, caring for the heart, the faith. The Pope called this wisdom the stewardship of the inner life, which knows how to stop and listen to one's heart, to keep watch over one's thoughts and feelings and make room for silence and listening. It is capable of, he said, giving up some time in front of the telephone screen to look at the light in the eyes of others and in God's gaze upon us. For everyone, the Pope said it requires not falling into the trap of activism, but devoting time to the Lord, to listening to his word. The gospel, the Pope highlighted, warns us against neglecting the oil of inner life, or the oil of the soul, as he called it. The inner life, the Pope said, cannot be improvised, but requires constancy and a little preparation each day. For this reason, the Pope asked the faithful to ask themselves how they are preparing. The Holy Father said we must each examine the state of the oil of our souls, asking, do I nourish it and do I keep it well? I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubov. The student at a Denver Catholic school will be the recipient of the one millionth coat delivered by the Knights of Columbus. The Knights announced the historic coat was among a thousand coats that were distributed to five Catholic schools in Denver last week. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 minutes past the hour. Put your money where your heart is. Do business with someone who shares your faith and values. From Sacred Heart Radio's Angels List of Underwriters. And don't forget to tell them where you found out about them. Go to sacredheartradio.com and click 
Angels List. This is Chris Knockelman, owner of Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air. Our family has been a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio for more than a decade, and we encourage other businesses to do the same. Find us at skpha.com, skpha.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Hoting Realtors, trusted and recommended by generations of families to sell their homes. Licensed in Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana. Hoting Realtors, 513-451-4800 and at hoting.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Rua Wood Psychological Services, integrating psychological science and the truths of our Catholic faith with offices in Dayton and Cincinnati. More information at 513 513- 3407-8878 or rwpsych.org. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this feast of St. Francis Xavier Cabrini and Pope St. Nicholas I. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air online at skpha.com. It will get warmer. Pretty chilly right now with temperatures in the lower 30s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, it'll be mostly sunny skies today with a high of 62 degrees. Another chance for some patchy frost tonight, otherwise mostly clear with a low of 35. Mostly clear again tomorrow and a high of 61 degrees. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, sunny skies today and a high of 62. A few clouds tonight with an overnight low of 32. It'll be partly cloudy tomorrow and a high of 58 degrees. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio, 740 a.m., 910 a.m. Download our app at sacredheartradio.com. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. We are in the last full week before we get Thanksgiving next week. It's hard to believe how fast everything has gone, but... uh, we're here for you. We're here to get you ready. And we'll uh, have some recipes from Rita Heikenfeld later this week to help you have a little less stress in your Thanksgiving prep. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father John Gavin. He's an author of a book called Mysteries of the Lord's Prayer, which is a great resource for reading the Our Father with the Church Fathers. And we've been going through the Catechism, looking at how the Church Fathers are represented and cited there. Father, good morning. Good morning. We get more from St. Augustine today on reconciliation in the life of the Church. Uh, Where does this show up, and what is Augustine saying that gets excerpted here? So this comes from Article 10 in the Catechism, and it has been going through the Creed and uh, explanation of the Creed, and we come to the point where it's discussing, I believe, in the forgiveness of sins. And the specific passage that we're looking at in here. Regard, is regarding the, the it's titled The Power of the Keys, that is, uh, the authority of the Church in the forgiveness of sins and reconciliation. So we get a uh, quote here from St. Augustine, and maybe before I read it, I'll just say a few things that's really wonderful about where this comes from. Uh, it comes from his sermon number 214, and it was given in 391 uh, during Lent, probably about a week or two before Easter. And so that's the time he's giving it. Then Augustine says at the beginning of the sermon, uh, he describes himself as a new recruit. And what he means is he had just been ordained a priest, uh, probably a month or two before. So he, this is a young uh, priest, Augustine, and probably one of, one of his earliest sermons that we have. So that's uh, the context there. 
And then in the sermon, he is talking about, it's a sermon on the creed itself. Uh, what he is doing here is what's called the uh, traditio symboli, that is the handing on of the creed. Uh, the creed was called a symbolon in Greek, uh, which meant uh, you had a perhaps a seal, two things together, that would be broken, and you would give it to your ally in another city, so that if you sent a messenger, you would have the other piece of this seal. And so Augustine says the creed, rightly, is called a symbol because it is a kind of password. Uh, it's the way faithful Christians can be recognized. So that's the, that's the basic context that we have here where this comes from. Well, that's a very interesting place to put this. Uh, you know, but as I'm, as I'm looking through, so I, I can't help but read a passage like this and, and, and sort of mm-hmm. flash back to my own sort of evangelical roots and think how it would have struck me uh, you know, back when I was a you know on fire, you know Protestant kid, mm-hmm. that uh, you that it would have it would have my my perception would be why would the church say you know don't go to God to have your sins forgiven go to us right the the misperception right. that a lot of evangelicals have, but this quote from Saint Augustine really throws it back to say that the church doesn't actually have this forgiveness right. not, is not actually coming from the church. It is something that it is a steward of. So as the way the quote goes, mm-hmm. the church has received the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Well, that re- word received is very important, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So that in her, sins may be forgiven through Christ's blood and the Holy Spirit's action. Now, as an evangelical, I would have said, your sins are forgiven through Christ's blood and the Holy Spirit's action. I wouldn't have said that anybody was you know, a mediator of such things, but it's clear from Scripture that Jesus did bestow that kind of authority. So that's what Augustine's tapping, tapping into here. Exactly. And he's, of course, going back to Matthew sixteen nineteen regarding the keys, of the keys to the kingdom, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And then John twenty twenty three, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. But, of course, he says here, and I think you rightly point out, if we read the first sentence of it, of Augustine's quote, the church has received the keys of the kingdom of heaven so that in her sins may be forgiven through Christ's blood and the Holy Spirit's action. It doesn't say by her, but in her. It's in the life of the church, but in the what really it's through what Christ has done for us on the cross and the continuing action of the Holy Spirit that we receive that forgiveness and that reconciliation. Well, and it it keys in on something, and you may have some comment about this. I'm very curious about how you think about this because you're a priest, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but my sins, uh, I you know reflect back to that evangelical world. I would have thought my sins put me out of fellowship with God. I wouldn't have thought, mm-hmm. which you know I think now as a Catholic all the time, my sins put me out of communion with God and Anna Mitchell and Paul Lockman and you, right? Mm-hmm. Like they put me right. out of right. communion with, with all these other people too. Uh, and, and so the idea of this happening, the reconciliation happening, not just solo off to the side, me and Jesus, but happening in the context of the community that I've also broken my relationship with, then, then it makes more sense to me. Mm-hmm. No, exactly. I think we, in the early church had, was very conscious of this, uh, in fact, some of the early forms of reconciliation actually involved uh, coming before the entire church community as part of I'm that. I'm glad, by the way, we don't process. do that anymore. Just so you know, yes. I'm very happy about yes. that. Yes, 
And, but I think what we see emerge, and, and rightly so, is the way it takes place uh, with the priest, uh, the, as, you know, obviously rec- uh, representing the life of the Church, right, and that reconciliation with the community. Because what Augustine goes on to say is that the soul dead through sin comes back to life in order to live with Christ, whose grace has saved us. I mean, the effects of that reconciliation uh, take place right now. The soul comes back to life. The soul's reconciled with the community and with God. But then it's also pointed toward eternity, to live with Christ uh, in, uh, in that union with Father, Son, and Spirit. So, uh, yes, it's communal, and it is, with, uh, it is with God. You know, not that your feelings matter much for the effectiveness of the sacrament of reconciliation, but I wonder if you ever feel that. Uh, you know, when you're pronouncing the words of absolution, if you sort of feel like, you know, that sort of mystery of the whole church behind you, and you're just like <clears throat> the the conduit it goes through. I wonder if that ever kind of like stuns you. <laughs> you know, the power it, of that, it stuns of that me every every single confession stuns me. It really does, uh, and. I mean, what I what I'm witnessing is really uh, this person coming to Christ and uh, seeing the healing, witnessing the healing take place, and just it, it's just it's just a wonder and a, and a gift. And it actually, people should know, go to confession because you also help the priest. Um, you awaken in the priest uh, just that uh, that desire for a greater union with God, and we get better priests the more people go to confession. Well, with all this in the background, as you know, sometimes people hit the scan button and land on us, and uh, some of those people who hit the scan button, button and landed on us are people who don't go to Mass right now, but they know they're going to have to go to Mass here in a few weeks with their grandma at Christmas. <laughs> what would you say to maybe one of them who's been away from the church for a very long time to come back and take advantage of that sacrament, uh, that sacrament of confession, to come back and just lay it all out and get back in communion. I mean, the first thing I would say is is welcome back uh, that Christ has been awaiting you with open arms. The Father has come out to meet you, and the joy and the peace and, that you are going to experience here in the new life in, uh, in grace, uh, this is not only the way to uh, prepare for the Advent season, Christmas, but also it's going to pour through your life going beyond. This is this is the new beginning. Yeah. Well, this is uh, the end of the liturgical year. It's the beginning of Advent, and uh, it's a really great time for those who are away to take advantage of this thing that St. Augustine mentions. This is in uh, Catechism, paragraph 981, if you wanted to go back and, and read the context of all of it. Uh, but Father John Gavin, thank you as always. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. God bless. All right. Up next, got a couple saints on the calendar today. One of them is Pope St. Nicholas I, and we're going to talk about him with Dr. Matthew Bunsen after the break. It's 14 till. Support is from Affirm Films comes Journey to Bethlehem, a Christmas musical film for the whole family. This wasn't a dream. An angel came to me. Look at the star. This is it. You truly believe that this child is the chosen one. What is his name? Jesus. Journey to Bethlehem. Rated PG. Federal guidance suggested. In theaters everywhere now. Soundtrack also available. More information is at journeytobethlehem.com. 
I have been a school sister of Notre Dame for 72 years. Most senior Catholic sisters, brothers, and religious order priests served for years with little pay. I always taught the primary grades, and I loved it. Today, hundreds of religious communities lack retirement funds. Your gift to the Retirement Fund for Religious helps provide medications and care. Please give to those who have given a lifetime. Thank you, and God bless you a hundredfold. Donate at your local parish. It's the season of chunky soup and chunky sweaters, which means it's also pumpkin coffee season. And the Mystic Monks have their pumpkin spice blend in stock and ready for you to enjoy. And when you go to the Monks through sunrisemorningshow.com, we earn a commission on any flavor coffee or tea that you buy. Why shell out five bucks for a tall PSL when you can customize your own at home and drink it from a Sunrise Morning Show mug that you can find in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee through sunrisemorningshow.com. Hi, this is Mike Aquilino with a few words about St. Irenaeus. It's only recently that Pope Francis has declared him to be a doctor of the church. And this is unusual because he's been dead for many centuries, almost two millennia. But I think he's a man for our time because he's teaching us to think, to have an educated faith, to know the reasons for what we believe, and then present those to a skeptical world. up later this morning on more to life we'll be taking your calls and helping you celebrate the life you were meant to live tune in to more to life 10 a.m eastern 9 central on ewtn radio now back to the sunrise morning show 12 till here's anna with headlines Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu says there might be a deal in the works to free more hostages currently being held by Hamas. During his Angelus address yesterday, Pope Francis made another appeal for peace in the Holy Land and also in Sudan. And over the weekend, the Holy Father relieved Bishop Joseph Strickland from the care of the Diocese of Tyler, Texas. Next newscast coming up in about... 13, 14-ish minutes from now as the Sunrise Morning Show continues here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Dr. Matthew Bunsen, Vice President and Editorial Director of EWTN News. Good morning, Doc. Good morning. Great to be with you. It is great to have you. Now, here in the United States, we focus on November 13th as the Feast of St. Francis Xavier Cabrini and Mother Cabrini, of course, a giant in American Catholic history, no doubt. But we are going to talk about another saint on the liturgical calendar today, that being Pope St. Nicholas I, the Great. Now, I was looking at this. Okay, he was elected in 858, and so that means he is coming to the papacy uh, after Pope St. Leo the Great, who we just celebrated on the calendar just a couple of days ago on the 10th, and Pope St. Gregory the Great. So he must have been rather impressive to earn (laughs) the title the Great after two guys like that. Yes, and then we can add in that there is one other saint that we generally now consider to call the great, and that's John Paul II. Yeah. So this is some pretty heady company. Uh, and Nicholas, I think, uh, has long escaped notice uh, on the part of many Catholics, and, and certainly in the history of the Church, uh, he's definitely overshadowed by both Leo and Gregory. And yet, uh, he was in his time called the great, and we can rank him as arguably the 
the greatest of the early medieval popes. Wow. And to put in a nutshell what he did, he really helped to establish uh, the papacy at a time of uh, the unraveling of a lot of civilization uh, in the West uh, and set the stage for the reforming popes who followed him in the next 200 years. So he definitely does deserve to be called the Great, but he's also called the Great because he is a, a remarkable pope who is also a remarkable saint. Yeah, yeah. So let's dive into this and and give him some uh, much-needed publicity here uh, to a Catholic audience. So you mentioned that this is kind of the unraveling of the West. What was going on in the West during the time in which he lived? If we go to the very start of the century, we have uh, the crowning of Charlemagne, uh, one of the foremost rulers in the history of Christendom and the history of Western civilization, around 800. That empire began to fall apart uh, after Charlemagne's death. It was divided, and uh, we can see that uh, disintegration of what was called the Carolingian Empire had an effect then on order, on good society. Uh, there were divisions among his heirs, and into that vacuum, as always seemed to happen, uh, the papacy needed to step. It, it needed to really provide some sort of clarity in terms of culture. But at the same time, uh, in the north, you had the Danes who were on the march, uh, the, the pagan Danes who were invading uh, England and elsewhere. Uh, and in the south, uh, it's forgotten, uh, Muslim raiders and Muslim armies were constantly threatening uh, not just southern Italy, but all the way to Rome, which is why one of uh, the successors to Nicholas actually had to build what was called the, the Leonine Wall in order to try to keep Rome safe. Uh, so there was a lot happening in this era uh, of crisis. And then within the church, you had a lot of archbishops uh, who were overstepping their bounds, uh, deposing bishops and uh, forcing their will on the bishops surrounding them. So as I was saying, whoever came in as pope at this particular junction needed to have uh, a great strength of will, but also the great patience to deal with all of these crises at the same time. And boy, it sounded like he did. As I was reading up on him, I was thinking, man, we don't understand the papacy in the same way anymore. I think probably in the wake of the loss of the papal states really is when we start seeing um, this kind of become lesser and lesser, if you will. But talk about his his sheer force in the, the realm of church-state relations. Well, that's right. Uh, now, he had the advantage that having grown up uh, in Rome from a pretty powerful family, he was well aware of the papacy. He was well aware of service. And he rose pretty rapidly uh, under several popes. And it was uh, after the death of Pope Benedict III uh, as you know, in 858, uh, that he was subsequently elected. That's important because he was elected with the support of uh, the emperor and wasted no time at all uh, in really establishing himself as the, the chief spokesperson for the, the papal primacy in the church. He recognized immediately that all of that was being stepped on uh, but as you note, uh, it was unusual for that era, and he was also very much aware of the need to defend the papal states, or the actual territory that was possessed uh, by the popes in, in the great feudal system that was developing. 
So he moved on multiple fronts. Uh, for example, he moved against an archbishop by the name of John or Giovanni of Ravenna, uh, who was uh, waging war uh, in many different ways on the bishops in his province, the so-called suffragan bishops, and deposing some. He was uh, oppressing others. He was actually imprisoning, arresting and imprisoning priests that he didn't like. And Nicholas moved quickly then to bring him to heel in exactly the same way that he did uh, moved against another set of archbishops, including Archbishop Hinkmar of Wren. These are names that no one has really heard of or even discussed for a very, very long time. But it's important for us to know these names because they were opponents, really, of the rightful authority of the papacy in making these decisions. And Nicholas made it stick. He brought them all through synods to the requests, uh, to bringing them to Rome and negotiating with them through all the different means that he had at his disposal uh, to have them recognize papal authority in exactly the same way that he did with different rulers. Yeah, and we're already running out of time. Um, I guess <laughs> just quickly, can you talk about his reputation for the holiness of life and, and what he has to say to us today, Dr. Bunsen? That's right. He was a pope in what became called the Iron Age of the Papacy, which was a difficult time for the popes. He stands out as a saint, as an ascetic, as somebody who loved prayer, who called for Christians everywhere to fast on Wednesdays and Fridays. It's a lesson for us today. Uh, to fast and pray, and Nicholas understood the power of it. Pope St. Nicholas I, the great, pray for us. Pray for us. Dr. Bunsen, thank you. Great to be with you. Likewise. All right, we got another hour of the Sunrise Morning Show coming up for most of our affiliates here on EWTN Radio. I'm Father Rob Jack. Join me this afternoon for Driving Home to Faith, and Kristen Van Uden will share the latest articles from CatholicExchange.com. Richard and Bryce Newman will discuss the new movie entitled Miracle in Manchester. I'll reflect on the life of St. Francis Xavier Cabrini, the frequent traffic and weather to get you home safely. That's this afternoon beginning at 4 on Sacred Heart Radio. You're on the road to Christ the King. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Sunset Janitorial Supply, a Catholic family business supplying the tri-state cleaning industry with commercial cleaning supplies, personal hygiene, equipment, and even machine repair. Free delivery to your business. More information at sunsetjanitorialsupply.com. Support is from MediShare. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that is MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for health care can save many families up to 500 bucks a month, and that is huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The member satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works, too. It's been around for 30 years. Members have shared more than $5 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, really, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan you're happy with. You can call right now. You'll get a price within two minutes. So see what you can say. This is a very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. Call 844-55-BIBLE. That's 844-55-BIBLE. 
Bible. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Gate of Heaven Cemetery, serving the Archdiocese of Cincinnati for 76 years. They extend their heartfelt thanks to the community for entrusting Gate of Heaven to assist them during their time of sorrow. Share the gift of gratitude with your loved ones this Thanksgiving by attending a pre-planning seminar November 21st at 11 a.m., 2 p.m., or 6 p.m. More information at 513-489-0300 or email community at gateofheaven.org. I'm Bill Torbeck of Tri-State Abrasive and Tool Company, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. We strive to provide the highest quality diamond and CBN products manufactured by privately owned companies enabling us to provide prompt and personal service and you to avoid the unnecessary cost and frustrations of dealing with bureaucracies. Find us online at theabrasiveone.com. That's the number one, theabrasiveone.com, theabrasiveone.com. I'm Father Chet Artashevitz of the Glen Mary Home Missioners, and thank you so much for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. Monday the 13th of November, among other things, the Feast of St. Francis Xavier Cabrini. Let's pray together in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord, may we see and serve you in the sick, the suffering, and the sorrowful. May we know you in the poor, the uneducated, and the unloved. May we love you in the unwanted, the bereaved, the alien, and the refugee. May we find compassion in the community of faith in times of our own need. Oh God, you sent St. Francis Xavier Cabrini from her home out into the world to preach in action the good news of your love for all peoples, especially those in need. May her generosity continue to spark in your people an outpouring of love for all who suffer want. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Mother Cabrini pray for us. And some great reminders because I don't know if you flipped open your parish bulletin and paid attention yesterday or these coming weeks, uh, there are going to be plenty of opportunities, kind of a heightened sense of uh, opportunity and responsibility to those who are struggling this time of year. I bet your parish has a gazillion things going on, a gazillion opportunities for you to reach out to the people in your own community who are struggling, especially this time of year. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. Travis has the video up and running. You can see it in the show notes at sunrisemorningshow.com. Uh, we will talk to Teresa Tamio live from Italy. Uh, she's been giving us all kinds of updates. I know she's going to want to say something about Mother Cabrini this morning. <clears throat> so we'll at least ask her about that. Brennan Hodge has more on synodality and South America and some of the statistics and polling and situations uh, regarding that, Bear Wozniak's going to be on with us. Hadn't talked to Bear in a while. That'll be kind of fun. We get we get to bust out Bear's music today, that means. And then Stephanie Mann with more thoughts and stories from English Catholic martyrs and confessors. So stay with us if you can. Right now it's two minutes past 
News of Service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu says he is trying to get field hospitals set up in Gaza. Speaking on NBC's Meet the Press yesterday, Netanyahu said he wants civilian patients to be able to move out of Gaza's main hospital, which is reportedly above Hamas's underground headquarters and has no power currently. The prime minister said he's reached out to the United Nations and leaders from different countries to build field hospitals. He noted that French President Emmanuel Macron sent a floating hospital. Netanyahu added that he has offered Hamas, quote, enough fuel for the main hospital, which he said Hamas rejected. During his Angelus address yesterday, Pope Francis prayed again for peace in the Holy Land after praying for Sudan. From Vatican Radio, Thaddeus Jones has more. Pope Francis has called attention to the serious humanitarian crisis in Sudan caused by the ongoing civil war in the African nation that shows no signs of abating. The Pope decried the many victims, including millions of internally displaced persons and refugees in neighboring countries. The Pope said he's close to the sufferings of the dear populations of Sudan. And he addresses a heartfelt appeal to local leaders to facilitate access to humanitarian aid and with the contribution of the international community to work in search of peaceful solutions. The Pope said, let us not forget these brothers and sisters of ours who are in distress. The Pope then spoke about the desperate situation regarding Israel and Palestine, underscoring his closeness to all those suffering, Palestinians and Israelis. He said he remembers and prays for them every day, and he offers them his embrace at this dark moment. The Pope exclaimed, may the weapons be stopped. They will never lead to peace, and may the conflict not spread. Enough, enough, brothers. He said, in Gaza, let the wounded be rescued immediately, and let civilians be protected, and let far more humanitarian aid be allowed to reach that stricken population. The Pope prayed also that may the hostages be freed, including the elderly and children. And he stressed that Every human being, Christian, Jewish, Muslim, of any people or religion, every human being is sacred, is precious in the eyes of God, and has the right to live in peace. Let us not lose hope and let us pray and work tirelessly so that the sense of humanity may prevail over hardness of heart. I'm Thaddeus Jones. Pope Francis over the weekend relieved Bishop Joseph Strickland from his care of the Diocese of Tyler, Texas. This coming after the Vatican a few months ago had ordered an apostolic visitation into the governance of the diocese. The move was confirmed on Saturday. Bishop Strickland was reportedly asked to, but declined to resign. The outspoken bishop has been a harsh critic of the Pope, especially on social media, accusing him of undermining the deposit of faith. An apostolic administrator has been appointed to the Tyler Diocese. The Pentagon says all five American service members aboard an aircraft were killed when it crashed into the eastern Mediterranean Sea Friday night. According to a U.S. European Command statement, a mishap occurred during a routine air refueling mission. New York City Mayor Eric Adams is defending himself against accusations the FBI is investigating his role in a Turkish consulate project. Mark Mayfield has more. The FBI is reportedly focusing on text messages related to the opening of the Turkish government's consulate in Manhattan. 
Federal investigators are looking into whether or not the texts from Adams helped fast-track the opening of the new building in 2021. This comes after the FBI raided the Brooklyn home of his top fundraiser. Adams has said he will fully cooperate with investigators. I'm Mark Mayfield. And scientists in Texas have discovered apparently a new species of dinosaur. While a small fossil from the animal was discovered in 2020, more bones were found near Lake Grapevine this week. And scientists confirmed it was an entirely new species. The small herbivore's Latin name, Ampelognathus coheni, translates roughly to Cohen's grapevine jaw, a combination of Murray Cohen, who first made the discovery and the place where it was found. The dinosaur was likely about six feet long and between 20 to 60 pounds. This story, particularly for my niece, Mary. Mayor, I expect a full report on this new dinosaur the next time I see you. Today is Monday, November the 13th. It is the feast of Mother Cabrini, St. Francis Xavier Cabrini. Pray for us. Pope St. Nicholas the Great as well. Pray for us. Teresa Tamio joins us next. It's eight past. Support is from Solidarity Health Share. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare. 844-334-3245. The Sunrise Morning Show continues, and it's always great to catch up with Teresa Tamio from EWTN and Ave Maria Radio's Catholic Connection, especially since Teresa is Italian-American, and we got an Italian-American saint on the calendar today. Teresa, good morning. Woohoo! Good morning. Ciao, ciao from Bella Italia. Yes, and the uh, motherland of myself and also, of course, our great saint today. That is wonderful. Mother Cabrini, indeed. So, uh, I mean, do you guys have, like, any kind of special party for Mother Cabrini because of the Italian-American kinship, or you just uh, just do what you normally do and just eat lots of Italian food anyway? (laughs) I would say the second point that you made. Yeah, I don't think there's any sort of a special uh, tribute or anything, but people really respect her, especially on the East Coast uh, in New York City and the big Italian neighborhoods in Jersey where I'm originally from. But, yeah, the saints are just so incredible, and that's one of the things I was telling Paul that I just wanted to mention because our pilgrimage just wrapped up. We had 32 pilgrims from around the country, including an adorable couple, the youngest on the trip, Kate and Luke from Columbus, Ohio. They were so sweet. All right, St. Gabriel Radio Country. Yep, absolutely, and it was just great. And I think they all came away with a deeper sense of the importance of no matter what happens and how crazy things get, that this is not our first rodeo in the church. And when you walk in the footsteps of giants like St. Francis and St. Clair and so many other saints, and when you're able to experience where a Eucharistic miracle took place, that it reminds us not that we minimize the issues, but God is still in charge. And the best thing we can do, really, and you and I have talked about this so much, Matt, is to pray harder, make sure that we're 
improving our own relationship with God? And are we doing God's will? And there was a really cool homily. There are very many cool homilies because there were three deacons on the trip and also a wonderful chaplain, our chaplain, Father James Conlon, from the Diocese of Lansing, Michigan. The first homily he gave talked about that you have an RSVP from God and you need to respond. So how will you respond to that invitation? You know, we love getting invited to parties and feasts and whatnot, but God has invited us to the greatest feast of all, the wedding feast of the Lamb. How are we going to respond? So lots of great lessons, a great trip, and excited about next year. Very cool. You know, I like that idea of this. Uh, well, I mean, this, this is what the gospel is about yesterday, like essentially being people, people being invited to a party and right. uh, people not being prepared for that. And I know, Teresa, that you would not go to a party not thinking – like, I'm just going to show up wearing whatever, you know, I'm just going to show up and like, you know, not, not plan this. If somebody invites you to something nice, right? A wedding, right. Uh, you know, a Christmas party, some kind of something like you're going to think this through. Like I overthink this. I'm like, well, let me think about who I know is going and who's allergic to what, what's the thing that I can make. That's going to be like the hit. Like what's the thing mm-hmm. that I'm going to make. That's going to be like, you know, I'm going to crush it at the appetizer table, you know, that sort of thing. Like we, we plan these things out and uh, you know, if, some of us would give like even just a fraction of the thought to like, you know, preparing ourselves for mass. <laughs> like, I wonder what right. would happen. Yeah, you know, it's interesting you should say that because there's a new book coming out in December, uh, end of December, early January, that uh, Kelly Walquist is the editor and she edited a chapter. Myself, Dr. Mary Healy, and several women were focusing on different chapters in Scripture, and I'm talking about Esther. And I entitled the chapter Dress for Success because Esther knew, even though she she didn't really like the fact that she was a queen and she people looked at her this way, but she knew that she had a role and that when she went before the king, she had to, to look the part. And I think we have to understand that when we, as you just mentioned, you think about it, right? You want to make something nice for the party. You want to look nice, not only out of respect for yourself and your body, a temple of the Holy Spirit, but respect for the host, respect for them having the kindness and decency to inviting you to a party or maybe Thanksgiving or maybe a Christmas Eve get-together. But we do think about that strongly and clearly, and we should. But again, how much do we think about how are we going before the Lord? And not just in the way we dress, but the way we dress inside. So our spirituality and the way we walk into Mass. Are we happy? Are we joyful? Are we walking in like, oh, here we go again? I just have to fulfill my Sunday obligation. So I think those are some of the lessons that we reviewed over this past 10 days so it was just a great trip, and I just want to thank all of our, our listeners out there because we had many people listening to, of course, Sunrise Morning Show. They love our segments and, of course, all the great program on EW10 Radio. It was a real affirmation. Yeah, that's very cool to hear, and uh, I'm so glad that you uh, you had a great time uh, and had some, some people. You know, it's funny, Teresa, and I'm sure you can affirm this. Like sometimes I'll be in a setting where people have heard me on the radio and they talk about how excited they are to see me. I guarantee mm-hmm. you I'm more excited to see them, uh, yeah. mostly because I have no proof that anyone is listening right now. No. <laughs> so when I meet somebody well, and they're listening, like, oh, seriously? Like, you, you, you're the one who is making this whole thing worth it? Like, uh, you, you made my day. I'm well, so you'll probably get you. this, too, where people tell you, well, you probably hear this all the time, Matt. No, I, I don't. Your show and you're awesome. Well, that's what no, I, I say. No, I don't. And thank you very much. It means a lot because if people are taking the time to make the effort to tell you they listen and they enjoy you, that means they really do. They're not just going to say it for the heck of it. And so it it does mean a lot to us. Not that we want the accolades, but to know that we're reaching people and that it's making a difference in their spirituality. You know, somebody, I can't even remember who said it. It might have been on our show. It might have been in a private conversation, but the idea of humility and false humility, 
So, and mm-hmm. this is very hard for me. And I would encourage anybody who's got any kind of compliment coming their way today to think about this. So, when some when you did something and you did well at it, and someone tells you you did well at it, the proper response, the the humble response, is not like, "Oh, it was nothing." Oh, I'm no good at this, or you know, whatever. There's a lot of people better than me. The proper response is a very genuine, "Thank you." Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Because what I'm you're terrible doing at you're this, thanking, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. No, you and, know, and I think that's that's an important point because, well, whom are we thanking when we say thank you? Because who gave us those particular gifts that people are recognizing? It's a way of acknowledging God, isn't it? Yeah. I saw uh, C.J. Stroud from the Houston Texans who beat my Cincinnati Bengals with a last-second field goal yesterday. This That was his whole press conference. Like, I just got to thank God for it, you know. God gave mm-hmm. me these gifts. God put me in this position. He gave me these talents. I'm like, all right. Yep. CJ Stroud, I don't like what you did to my Bengals, but you got the right perspective. You got the right Amen. perspective. All right, we'll be listening to Ave Maria Radio and EWTN's Catholic Connection later today and every weekday here on Catholic Radio. Have a great one, Teresa. Thanks, Matt. Be safe. You too. Ciao, ciao. Bye-bye. And Mother Cabrini, pray for us. It's quarter past. We're back right after this. Support is from Affirm Films comes Journey to Bethlehem, a Christmas musical film for the whole family. This wasn't a dream. An angel came to me. You are in danger, Mary. This child, what is his name? Jesus. Journey to Bethlehem, starring Fiona Palomo, Milo Mannheim, Lecrae, Joel Smallbone, and Antonio Banderas. Rated PG, parental guidance suggested. In theaters everywhere now. Soundtrack also available. More information is at journeytobethlehem.com. Lord, Teach Me to Pray, the Ignatian Prayer Series, can now train you and others electronically to become facilitators and bring the Ignatian way of prayer to your parish. Come to know and love Jesus Christ like never before and help others do the same. Don't pass up the opportunity to join this work of the new evangelization. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com and click on Digital Training. That's LordTeachMeToPray.com and click on Digital Training. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. The most original and exclusive Catholic content is on EWTN Radio. You know, we talk story with each of our very unique guests for the whole hour so that you can go deep with us as you yourself pursue your own story of heroic virtue and as you pursue intimacy with God. The Bear Wozniak Adventure, Saturday night, 6 Eastern on EWTN Radio. 18 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna Mitchell with headlines. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has said he's trying to get field hospitals set up in Gaza and has also said there may be a deal in the works to free more hostages being held by Hamas. Pope Francis, during his Angelus address yesterday, appealed again for peace in the Holy Land and over the weekend relieved Bishop Joseph Strickland from his care of the Diocese of Tyler, Texas. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Uh, Again, we've got a bunch of different saints on the calendars. Mother Cabrini on the calendar Mm -hmm. today. Uh, We Mm -hmm. talked about 
um, Pope, Pope St. Nicholas. Nicholas the First, mm-hmm. Pope St. Nicholas the Great. I love the, the fact that that uh, there's another great out there that we just haven't talked about as being great. And, I know, uh, right? We'll share more of that conversation with Dr. Matthew Bunsen in our local hour today. Um, but also St. Josephat. And uh, yes. looking forward. We're going to share something. Uh, oh, wait, wasn't tomorrow. he yesterday? Or was he Josephat, yesterday? St. Josephat Kunchevich. Yeah, that's a, yeah. That's a while. I think he was yesterday. Yeah. Um, but we're going to talk about some cool stuff with Dr. Benjamin Lewis, uh, who uh, translates divine office stuff and liturgical things. So uh, very much looking forward to that. But yeah. we got, I mean, we've got a great run of uh, of feast days this week. We got St. Albert the Great mm-hmm. on the 15th, mm-hmm. uh, Gertrude the Great. Uh, so a couple of uh, greats. Uh... That's what I was going to say is that as I'm looking on the calendar, like half the people on the calendar this week have the <laughs> great attached to their name. <laughs> a good point i like uh, that. and then you've got elizabeth of hungary on the 17th and she was great but yeah. like that's not we don't call her the great indeed november is a great month of saints it i mean indeed. we last week we're celebrating leo the great i mean you think about it if the dates had lined up if this were a monday if the 10th were a monday how many of the greats would we have gotten We'd all be in, in the, the span of the week yeah it's a great week. So, you know, that would be a yet. great week. I'm going to look. So Thursday is the 23rd. I just want to check and see whose feast day is on the 23rd. Uh, Pope Clement the first. Oh, you know who uh, Pope you know St. Clement. That's Peter's successor. Yeah. Yeah. Cecilia um, on the 22nd. Oh, Miguel Pro is also Miguel on Pro the 23rd. Is on the 23rd. Blessed Oof. Miguel Pro. By the way, we've got to work on getting some miracles for him. Got to get that guy up and running. Yeah. You know what's great about Miguel Pro is that his feast always falls because it's the 23rd of November, right close the to the of feast of Christ the King. The King. Yeah. And what are Blessed Miguel's Pro's last words? Viva Cristo, Viva Cristo Rey. Rey. Long live Christ the King. Mm-hmm. I love November Saints. All you men, holy men and women <laughs> on the calendar us. in the month of November, pray for us. If you're planning to give an end-of-the-year gift to Sacred Heart Radio, we are grateful. And there are several ways to give, including a stock gift through your IRA or a donor-advised fund. There's planned giving, employee matching funds. You can send a check, donate online, and more. Contact your financial advisor for more information on the tax benefits of donating to Sacred Heart Radio. And to see and read about all the ways to give, visit sacredheartradio.com and click on Ways to Give. Support comes from On a Mission to Love. For books, handcrafted gifts for baptism, communion, confirmation, wedding, birthdays, and more. All deeply based in the rosary and devotion to our Holy Mother. Onamissiontolove.com. That's onamissiontolove.com. Young adults, have you thought about God's calling for your life? We invite you to consider consecrating your life to God as a member of the Catholic Corps. Dedicate your life to prayer and enjoy living in community with like-minded Catholics. Support families through helping host events and spreading the message of total consecration to Jesus through Mary in union with St. Joseph. Visit the Catholic Corps Consecrated Communities for one week this spring and fall. Sign up today at afc.org cc.
You rely on your car, so rely on the experts at Fort Mitchell Garage, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. They can do it all from brakes, tires, and heating and cooling to towing and collision repair and more. Fort Mitchell Garage on Dixie Highway and Park Hills. On the web at fortmitchellgarage.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Gate of Heaven Cemetery, serving the Archdiocese of Cincinnati for 76 years. They extend their heartfelt thanks to the community for entrusting Gate of Heaven to assist them during their time of sorrow. Share the gift of gratitude with your loved ones this Thanksgiving by attending a pre-planning seminar November 21st at 11 a.m., 2 p.m., or 6 p.m. More information at 513-489-0300 or email community at gateofheaven.org. It's 23 minutes past the hour. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Happy to have you along with us on Monday. Brendan Hodge back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. He is Darwin from the Darwin Catholic blog. He's author of If You Can Get It, a novel from Ignatius Press, and is a contributing editor to The Pillar. Good morning, Brendan. Good morning. Good to be on with you. It is good to have you back. And we are continuing to unpack the data from a piece that uh, you recently wrote for The Pillar in the wake of an interview that Cardinal Christoph, uh, I almost said Christoph Schoenborn, Christoph Pierre, uh, the apostolic nuncio to the United States, uh, gave to America magazine. And in it, he seemed kind of mystified that the American bishops don't know much about and therefore have not embraced this sort of style or model of evangelization that came out of the so-called Aparecida Conference in uh, South America back in 2007. And you did some data mining to see how the church is doing in South America as compared to North America. And let's pick up, pick up where we left off the last time. Um, you did some comparisons of, of South and North America on the number of baptisms and the number of Catholic marriages in recent years. Can you take us through those numbers again? Yes. So uh, one of the things that we looked at is the Vatican publishes an annual statistics book where they show uh, the number of Catholics in different countries around the world, the percentage of the population that's Catholic, and then the number of major sacraments that are going on. So Catholics who are baptized, who receive marriage in the Church, who are um, buried in the church and who are ordained, et cetera. And uh, what we see is that in South and Central America, actually very much like in the United States, we're seeing a significant decrease in the practice of kind of these basic milestone sacraments over the last 20 years. So um, if we look at since that Aparicia uh, uh, conference in 2007, uh, Brazil has seen the number of baptisms per 1,000 Catholics drop by 39%. Uh, that's actually exactly the same as the United States. The United States has also seen their number of baptisms per 1,000 Catholics drop by 39%. And while Mexico and Argentina, sort of two of the other biggest countries in the region, haven't dropped quite as much, they've dropped 27% and 23%. What we're seeing is really that pretty broadly, not as many Catholics are having their children baptized as was the case 20 years ago. Uh, on average, across all of Central and South America, that decrease is 36 percent. Hmm. Um, and the decrease in Catholics getting married in the church is actually even larger. So in Brazil, 
The number of marriages per 1,000 Catholics has dropped by 41%. Uh, Mexico and Argentina have actually dropped further, 42% and 59% each. Uh, so the U.S. is no picnic either. In the U.S., the number of marriages per 1,000 Catholics has dropped by 37%. But uh, that means that the U.S. has actually not dropped as much as the average for Central and South America, which is 45%. So when, uh, for instance, throughout the Citadality, one of the things that's being discussed a lot is what to do about Catholics who are not married in the church. You can see this is a very live issue in Central and South America, is increasingly Catholics are not getting married in the church, they're not having their children baptized in the church. And of course, that underlines that there's, at a pretty basic level, they're very, very uninvolved in the church. Yeah. And I, you could only imagine that those numbers will continue to drop if something doesn't pick up soon in terms of um, baptisms, especially. But um, those numbers don't give uh, the entire picture necessarily. Um, and you went looking at some statistics from what's known as the World Values Survey. What is the World Values Survey? What kind of information does it look at? So the World Values Survey is a sort of repeated panel of surveys which is conducted every five to seven years. And it's conducted simultaneously in a lot of countries all over the world. And the idea is to try to get a sense of what sort of social trends are going on all across the world in different countries. So they ask a lot of things about whether people trust the government, uh, whether they think that their neighbors are honest, whether or not they think they're like their neighbors or different from their neighbors, things like this. But they also ask questions about religion. And one of the questions that they ask is uh, what religion you consider yourself to belong to. And then another is uh, whether you are going to, uh, going to church services and praying and things like this. Um, so they, we took a look at uh, what religious affiliation people in Central and South America say that they have, because, of course, in the mind of the Church um, and in the mind of God, once you are baptized into the Catholic Church, you are a Catholic for life, whether right. you continue to consider yourself Catholic or not. Uh, but what we saw is that there's, there's a pretty drastic falling away in the number of people who consider themselves Catholic in some of these countries. And Brazil is really... The shocking number here. So in Brazil, back in the late 90s, um, so in the way from 1995 to 1998, 70% of Brazilians said that they were Catholic. By 2007, that had dropped to 60%. And then by 2017 to 2022, that had dropped to 46%. So 24% of Brazilians stopped calling themselves Catholic over the last 25 years. Wow. Um, and it's sort of a split of those ones who drifted away. Half now say they have no religion, and half now say that they are evangelicals. And, I mean, you just, th that, that kind of statistic is just so depressing, Brendan, and I guess really points to maybe the synodality thing i don't know i mean we don't have time to get into it now but um yeah go read brendan's piece over at pillar catholic uh you can find it linked at sunrisemorningshow.com brendan i think thank you <laughs> thank you it was good to talk with you it was good to have you it was all right it's half past the hour now on the sunrise morning show it's time for news 
Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu says he's trying to get field hospitals set up in Gaza. Speaking on NBC's Meet the Press, Netanyahu says he wants civilian patients to be able to move out of Gaza's main hospital, which is reportedly, according to Israel, above underground headquarters for Hamas. The hospital itself has no power and people are dying. The prime minister said he's reached out to the United Nations and leaders from different countries to build field hospitals, noting that French President Emmanuel Macron sent a floating hospital. Netanyahu added that he offered Hamas, quote, enough fuel for the main hospital, which he said Hamas rejected. Netanyahu also said there may be a deal in the works to free more hostages being held by Hamas. Mark Mayfield has more. Appearing on NBC's Meet the Press, Netanyahu didn't go into any detail, saying the chances of a deal are better the less he talks about it. He did say Israel was not close at all to any agreement until its forces began a ground operation into Gaza. The prime minister was responding to reports of a possible deal for the release of as many as 80 women, children and elderly being held captive. An estimated 240 hostages are currently held by Hamas. I'm Mark Mayfield. Pope Francis appealed again for the Holy Land during his Angelus address yesterday. He said, quote, may the weapons be stopped. They will never lead to peace and may the conflict not widen. Enough, enough, brothers, he said. In Gaza, let the wounded be rescued immediately. Let civilians be protected. Let far more humanitarian aid be allowed to reach that stricken population. May the hostages be freed, including the elderly and children. Every human being, Christian, Jewish, and Muslim, he said, of any people or religion, every human being is sacred, is precious in the eyes of God, and has the right to live in peace. He said, let us not lose hope. Let us pray and work tirelessly so that the sense of humanity may prevail over hardness of heart, end quote. In his catechesis, the Holy Father reflected on the Sunday gospel passage of the parable of the ten virgins. From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano-Luboff reports. The parable in the gospel reading, according to St. Matthew, the Pope said, regards the meaning of life of each person while acknowledging that all those bridesmaids are there to welcome the bridegroom as they are there with their lamps waiting, the Pope said the difference between the wise and the foolish ones was tied to the preparation. The wise ones, he observed, took flasks of oil with their lamps, that is to say the unseen element that generated the light. However, the foolish ones, on the other hand, did not. The Pope said that that was the difference and observed that oil's characteristic is that it cannot be seen. It is inside the lamps. It is not conspicuous, but without it, the lamps do not give light. The Holy Father urged faithful to see the relevance of this parable in their own lives. Jesus says he insisted that the wisdom of life lies elsewhere and taking care of what cannot be seen but is more important, caring for the heart, the faith. The Pope called this wisdom the stewardship of the inner life, which knows how to stop and listen to one's heart, to keep watch over one's thoughts and feelings and make room for silence and listening. It is capable of, he said, giving up some time in front of the telephone screen to look at the light in the eyes of others and in God's gaze upon us. For everyone, the Pope said it requires not falling into to the trap of activism, but devoting time to the Lord, to listening to his word. The gospel, the Pope highlighted, warns us against neglecting the oil of inner life, or the oil of the soul, as he called it. The inner life, the Pope said, cannot be improvised, but requires constancy and a little preparation each day. For this reason, the Pope asked the faithful to ask themselves how they are preparing.
The Holy Father said we must each examine the state of the oil of our souls, asking, do I nourish it and do I keep it well? I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubov. Pope Francis, over the weekend, relieved Bishop Joseph Strickland from his care of the Diocese of Tyler, Texas. This move coming after a Vatican-ordered apostolic visitation into the governance of the diocese a few months ago. The move was confirmed on Saturday. Bishop Strickland reportedly was asked to resign but declined. The outspoken bishop has been a harsh critic of the pope, accusing him of undermining the deposit of faith. An apostolic administrator has been appointed to lead the Tyler Diocese. That's the news. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show. It's now 35 minutes past the hour. Hear the glorious sound of the new organ at Mount St. Mary's Seminary in Mount Washington at its free dedication concert, Sunday, November 12th, 7 p.m. For directions, visit sacredheartradio.com slash events. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air. Treating customers with integrity for over 90 years for heating, air conditioning, water heaters, plumbing, and more. Schneller Knockelman at skpha.com. SKPHA.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from St. Margaret Hall, an assisted living and skilled nursing facility sponsored by the Carmelite Sisters for the Aged and Infirm. St. Margaret Hall has been providing loving care to the community for over 50 years. At St. Margaret Hall, your loved ones will receive 24-hour care from dedicated professionals with newly renovated, stylish assisted living units. At St. Margaret Hall, the difference is love. On Madison Road, 513-751-5880. On the web at stmargarethall.com. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this feast of St. Francis Xavier Cabrini and Pope St. Nicholas I. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air online at skpha.com. It will get warmer. It's pretty chilly right now with temperatures in the lower 30s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, it'll be mostly sunny skies today with a high of 62 degrees Another chance for some patchy frost tonight, otherwise mostly clear with a low of 35. Mostly clear again tomorrow and a high of 61 degrees. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, sunny skies today and a high of 62. A few clouds tonight with an overnight low of 32. It'll be partly cloudy tomorrow and a high of 58 degrees. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio, 740 a.m., 910 a.m. Download our app at sacredheartradio.com Uh-oh. You know what that music means. That means it's time to talk to Bear Wozniak. Bear Wozniak has a lot of things going on in his world, including a new book called 12 Rules for Manliness, Where Have All the Cowboys Gone? Bear, it's been too long. How you doing? Hey, it's good to hear that you guys found that same music. That's awesome. We we keep it in a special vault, and we only break it out when you come along. So uh, <laughs> it's too perfect. Uh, yeah. you know, I'm excited to talk about this this book that now that it's out because you and I had several conversations about it as you were kind of putting it together. This idea of where have all the cowboys gone uh, and these rules. I I like it because so many people have a misunderstanding of what a cowboy is really about. They think it's a person who takes matters into their own hands and go, goes vigilante and drinks lots of whiskey 
and doesn't listen to anybody and doesn't care what anybody thinks. And uh, it turns out that those are all kind of like the opposite of what actual cowboys are. <laughs> so yeah. uh, you know, what, what did you find as you were putting together this book? Well, it's so cool. You know, my wife is a, was a rodeo girl, barrel racer and trick rider. And so she kind of puts the, the cowboy part of this into the book. But uh, it, was, it was really an interesting process. It was when we were driving along Diamond Head uh, one morning that my wife said, you got to listen to this song. And it was Paula Cole singing, where's my John Wayne? Where have all the cowboys gone? And whenever we go speak, uh, we tend to be kind of surrounded before we get even in the door by women saying, please tell the men we want them to be men. And uh, so she kind of gave me the inspiration for the, the cowboy theme of it all. But uh, uh, it turns out that, you know, the, the word for man in the Latin is beer. It's where we get the word virtue. And so that's the real cowboy. That's the real cowboy. Someone who I really think it is true when I read the, old, the Louis L'Amour Westerns, and I use a lot of his quotes in here, by the way, um, that the men were seeking to be virtuous and also the women were, were strong in his books. So it, it's, it's, really, uh, it's really Aquinas saying that love is, uh, is a willing the true good for the other. And it's really uh, all about John Paul II, who was really a cowboy, by the way, a uh, real man's man who, uh, who wrote uh, about self-donation. He wrote about love and responsibility. And that's kind of the essence of a cowboy, those, those, those phrases. Well, when you think about cowboys, the way that they, like I say, it, 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 there, there are a number of reasons that this has come to be the case, but someone might refer to a cowboy or a, or a maverick, uh, they might use that word on someone who runs a YouTube channel where they just like express their opinions loudly all the time, even if like people disagree with them. Uh, you know, So like somebody might just be like, oh, that guy's a cowboy. He's not afraid to say anything on his YouTube channel. Turns out that those people are also very sensitive and not very resilient and tough, right? Because you, you, you say something back to them and they can't handle it, right? Uh, whereas cowboys... In like real life, they don't have a lot to say. They just get the job done, yeah. <laughs> right? You know, I mean, yeah. Well, you they... know, the word maverick, they have it in the dictionary under Max Wayne. But uh, oh my! But no, uh, I, was, I was riding that. motorcycles. <laughs> <laughs> I was riding motorcycles in uh, in Boise, where they're doing a promotion for the for the Salt Light Radio, and we were going to do a few of us go for a motorcycle ride. It turned out sixty people rode. And the three-hour ride became eight hours. But there was a man and a woman in the support truck that I'd met the day before signing books. And I, when I looked up to this man, he was probably in his late 70s. And uh, I looked up at him, and I go, are you a cowboy? And he goes, well, I've always worked on ranches. And then the next day, we're riding. They drove the support truck. And I asked the woman, uh, are, are men today anything like cowboys? And she goes, no, they're not anything like cowboys. Um, it just it sounded to me, I'm writing the book, like a swinging uh uh, screen, screen door. You know how they. I, when I was a kid, we used to use screen doors, and, and I remember my grandmother's kind of banging the wind a little bit. It just it was just kind of left, left banging like there. And it seems like you know the men that I knew when I was young, they were cowboys. I mean, they may not have ridden horses, but they lived by the by a cowboy code, a certain code that they held each other to. They're men of their word. Uh, and and yeah, you're right. So many uh, the cowboys don't say a lot, but what they say, you know, usually it was full of. Uh, full of meaning and not only were they men of their word but so many were men of the word too well there you've got that also um but there man there's so many things that i want to ask you about this i find also that there's a sense of duty right that you have to have 
you know, in order to kind of understand what it, a real cowboy life is like. And right. men today, like, right. have, like, no sense of duty to anything other than themselves, <laughs> right? Right. And I that, say this because I'm a man, yeah. and I understand, like, how sometimes you just want to, like, do your own thing and have people leave you alone and let other people handle the duty stuff. But the duty part is huge. Well, you know what? You know what, Matt? Uh, men will complain, like, uh, Oh, they make fun of us on TV. Oh, you know, where the, they make it, you know, they, we, they've marginalized us. No, they haven't. That, that, those are the words of the victim. Men cause that to happen. We let that happen. And we let that happen as soon as we stop taking responsibility. And I'm going to tell you more, more directly, it happened with the pill. When men could, when men the, in the free love generation, it wasn't free at all. It was just bondage and, and uh, lack of freedom and lack of love. When men, it's a free pass for guys to be huh? immature and never grow up. Right. Right. Yeah, I call them man boys. You know, John Wayne said, uh, uh, "You're born a boy. You're born a boy, but you got to become a man." And he also said, "These are Louis Lamour's words," but he also said. Uh, you got to first be a man before you can be a gentleman. And I think that's where we lost it when men began to take advantage of women, put pressure on them. And if you really love me, you go to bed with me, that sort of a thing. I know we have, you know, different age listeners listening, but, but it's, it's that it's taking without giving. It's not, it's, it's taking without taking uh, responsibilities. We say in Hawaii, kuleana, you know, stewardship. So it's love and responsibility go hand in hand. Love without responsibility isn't love at all. It's just warm, gushy feelings. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and when you talk about that love and responsibility, it's amazing to me the people that get held up as heroes, uh, whether on the football field, in the political arena, any of these things. And, you know, they may have some good ideas and good perspectives and be real talented and skilled and make some great plays. And then you're like, oh, that person's amazing. That's my hero. And I'm like, that person's on their fourth wife. <laughs> like, yeah. You, you know, know like, you know what? It's like, yeah. It's so many, so many people uh, today on YouTube, you know, they talk about. You know, be a man. How many? You know, what's your? How many women have you been with? You know, yeah. how much money you make? How much? How fit are you? But it, this book isn't a self-help book. This is a different book. This is a. Well, I, I like to say it's about grit and grace. It takes both of those. A man needs to. The man comes factory loaded to live a life of heroic virtue. We 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 have that instinct with it within us to lay down our lives. But then, uh, but we get lazy and we take the easy way. One of my chapters is called "Ride the Proving Trail." You know, uh, you know, pursue God's plan for his for your life, and so, uh, yeah, we we can't we we. It's not about just being gritty. It's not about just seeking pleasure. It's about uh, it's about fortitude. It's a, but it's by doing it by by a personal relationship with Jesus, with Jesus riding alongside you. You know that that that's what Christianity is. It's a personal relationship with Jesus, and it's relying on Him to to do the work that the, and to live the life that He's calling you to. And cowboys knew. They made yeah. decisions for them were very simple because they had defined for themselves the personal creed, and they had defined for themselves the codes, the code that they would live by. Creed is like a one-word or two-word sentence. A code is like, you know, I'm a, I'm a Benedictino blade. It's the rules that I've learned to live my life out by, but I have a one-sentence creed that I personally live by. And I think we need to come to men and women together who are reading this book as husband and wives uh, are doing this, this this work of writing out their creed and defining their personal code together. Well, and I love to, and I wish we had more time to talk about this, even the idea of a cowboy riding for the brand, right? Uh, yeah. For, the, for, for something larger than himself. And uh, I always kind of wonder if someone were to walk into my house, what would they think I believed in? 
Uh, and sometimes I wonder yeah. if they think, well, this guy believes in Legos and Lay's potato chips, right? <laughs> you know, I, mean, yeah, I want I somebody think, walk I in my house and be like, know. what brand does this guy actually ride for? Well, we know. We know you ride for the brand. Hey, we're going to be sailing in the Virgin Islands for the next two months. So we're going to be on the East Coast. We can hook up. If you want to talk story for the next couple months, I'm on the East Coast. I don't have to wake up at 3 in the morning. You don't morning, have to wake so. up on Hawaii time to be on a yeah. East Coast morning show? Yeah, See, so now that's, think about inviting me on to do these 12, these 12 rules. It's I'd fun. love to do They're it, They're all man. based on your life anyway, Matt. Plus, plus, we get to break out the music as well. Bear Wozniak, <laughs> you've got your book, 12 Rules for Manliness, Where Have All the Cowboys Gone, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Have a great day. Okay. Aloha. Bye. Aloha yourself. 14 till. We're back right after this. Support is for MetaShare. Let's see. If something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into. And that is MetaShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MetaShare to pay for health care can save many families up to 500 bucks a month. And that is huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The member satisfaction rate for MetaShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works, too. It's been around for 30 years. Members have shared more than $5 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, really, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan you're happy with. You can call right now. You'll get a price within two minutes. So see what you can say. This is a very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. Call 844-55-BIBLE. That's 844-55-BIBLE. 844-55-BIBLE. We know a lot of you love anything pumpkin-flavored, and others, well, not so much. But the Mystic Monks of Wyoming are taking care of both of you with their coffee. That's right. Their seasonal favorite pumpkin spice blend is available, along with other normal flavors. And when you purchase them after clicking the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. Hi friends, Janet Williams here. Join me every Wednesday on Women of Grace Live as I welcome new age researcher and blogger for Women of Grace, Sue Brinkman. Sue and I will be talking about all the wacky things that could distract you from your faith. Psychics, yoga, Reiki, crystals, acupuncture, Ouija boards, tarot cards, and astral traveling are just a few of the stranger things we discuss. That's why we call it Wacky Wednesday. So join us at 11 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Coming up later this morning on More to Life. We'll be taking your calls and helping you celebrate the life you were meant to live. Tune in to More to Life, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 Central on EWTN Radio. Now back to the Sunrise Morning Show. 12 till, here's Anna with headlines. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu says he's trying to get field hospitals set up in Gaza as the main hospital in the Gaza Strip is without power with Israel moving in, saying that this is above an underground headquarters for Hamas. Pope Francis, during his Angelus address, made another appeal for peace in the Holy Land. And over the weekend, Pope Francis relieved Bishop Joseph Strickland from his care of the Diocese of Tyler, Texas. You can hear news at the top and bottom of each hour right here on the Sunrise Morning Show. 
Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Stephanie Mann. Go read her excellent blog over at supremacyandsurvival.blogspot.com. Continuing our series looking at the stories in Mementos of the English Martyrs and Confessors by Father Henry Sebastian Bowden. Steffi, Stephanie, good morning. Good morning, Anna. Steffi, I think maybe I'll just start calling you that. I'm kidding. Uh Uh-oh. No, 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 no. no. No, I won't do it. I won't do it. I'm kidding. Never. It was a slip of the tongue. In any event, um, I love how you titled this on your blog. Today we are talking about two second chance Benedictine martyrs. Uh, Tell us why they're second chance martyrs. Well, Blessed Hugh Farrenden and Blessed Richard Whitting, both they're both Benedictine abbots, didn't stand up at the right time, the first right time, but mm-hmm. they stood up eventually to defend the Catholic faith and the Benedictine order. As I thought about it a little bit more since I posted it, it reminded me of what Thomas St. Thomas More said one time, you know, that he, yes, Henry VIII could cut off his head any time he wanted to, and mm-hmm. it kind of proves that, this kind of proves that. All he was doing when he really, when he stood up at the beginning of this whole movement that Henry VIII was bringing to England to destroy, destroy Catholicism and remake it in his own image, was that in a way he was choosing the time that he would die under Henry VIII. These men maybe thought they could hold it off, or they didn't realize what. Well, and. More just had a more of an insight maybe into Henry VIII's mind as a as a tyrant than they did. But, you know, they finally did stand up for the faith because they saw that it was going to destroy their way of life and the and the religious way of life in England. But, yes, it is. And I, even even I don't know, but I wondered if Father Bowden's selection of the titles he gives them, he calls one of them a watchman and the other a guardian. But in a way, neither was. Right. At first, I mean, they realized and repented, but at first they weren't ready to stand up in the way in the way of Henry VIII. And in fact, uh, blessed Hugh Farrenden even kind of accommodated him and helped him come up with the, the uh, uh, excuses and the reasons that his first marriage should be annulled and he should be allowed to remarry for the sake of an heir for England. So they kind of put, he maybe even more than than Abbot Whitting, kind of put England's well-being above the church's well-being in mm-hmm. England. So, yeah, it, they, they faced hard choices, but and that's why I thought it was interesting to kind of look at it that way. Look at the danger as soon as you can and defend yourself against it. Absolutely. And, yeah. And, uh, yeah. So, uh, blessed Hugh they're terrible, Farrington. They're terrible stories. They really are. I mean, Farrington's yeah. story um, really catches your breath in, in many ways. And, of course, on your blog, you... You bring out more than what we get in the the short reflections from Father Bowden, mm-hmm. but talk a little bit more about Farringdon's story. And and you, well, you mentioned that that he kind of helped Henry VIII try to come up with mm-hmm. the reasons for why his marriage with with Queen Catherine should be annulled, and what kind of turned Hugh back to the Church. <laughs> when they came and tried to destroy his his abbey and he was a good abbot uh, these what what was also interesting about both these men is they they were good abbots there was no scandal there was no abuse in their in their abbeys and he had been a good man and and had uh, prayed uh, f- 
prayed for the uh, salvation of of the king and of his uh, and of of all the successors of of King Henry the first who was actually buried in his abbey mm. and so he was a good man and and good at at his job of being an abbot it, uh father bowden speaks about him being learned and pious oh well and then here's the danger sign though is henry the eighth called him his own abbot so Oof. see he thought he owned yeah. him from yeah. the very beginning but yeah so it, it is amazing but yes it's when they come to him and want to destroy his abbey and he says that then he defends his the religious way of life and then then on the scaffold then he speaks out proudly Mm. he speaks out boldly and professes his fidelity to the holy see and says that is what you need to if you're going to be catholic you're going to have to be part of the universal catholic church you can't be part of a a henry church in england and so yes he he does find the way and finds the way to speak out boldly yeah, and uh, Blessed Richard Whitting, who you mentioned as well, the other one that we are uh, focusing on today, was in charge of a rather important monastery in the time, which is just no more, correct? Right. Oh, yes. Yeah, he had 100 monks. They had vast land holdings, this abbot, abbey did, and Glastonbury. And of course, you know, there's the opportunity for abuse and scandal, and yet, he administered the lands well so that he could donate the money for relief of the poor. He, There was a uh, school associated with the Glastonbury Abbey that educated young men. And so, again, he was doing everything he could do to uphold the Benedictine way of life in England, except that he took the oath of supremacy. And again, that I have that oh, that meme that went around for a while. If you like your monastery, you can keep your monastery with Henry VIII's That may have been my there. part of your blog post, but go on. <laughs> yeah. And then the reply is, yeah, you're not really going to keep your monastery. And that's yeah. what he found out, too. Yes, and his story is even more poignant because they, when they went to visit the monastery, preparing to close it down, uh, the they could find no scandal. They could find no abuses. In fact, uh, the visitors wrote back to Cromwell and said, he's a good abbot. This is a good, well-run monastery. And Cromwell replied, basically, I didn't send you there to find out what's right with it. You need to find out what's wrong with it so we can suppress it. Henry VIII wants it. And so he, he got it because they, he charged uh, uh, Whitting with uh, violating, violating his oath of supremacy and his obedience to the king. And so yeah. both men were taken to the tower and then brought back to their abbeys and, and hanged, drawn, and quartered in front of those, their great foundations. So, it, mm-hmm. yes, it's very tragic and, and moving stories. Yeah, great witnesses of the faith in the end, um, which is the yes. important thing. For sure. So uh, you can read exactly. You can read more about it in Mementos of the English Martyrs and Confessors by Father Bowden, and also over at Stephanie's blog, Supremacy and Survival, which you can find linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Stephanie, thank you. Thank you. Have a good week. You too. God bless you all. Attention, Sacred Heart Radio volunteers. Wednesday, December 6th is our Advent Pledge Drive, and we need volunteers to answer phones from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. that day. If you can help, even for an hour, call 513-731-7740 or visit sacredheartradio.com and click volunteer. We need your help to raise $60,000 on Wednesday, December 6th. If you can answer phones anytime that day, please visit sacredheartradio.com and click volunteer. 
Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Delhi and Harrison Pet Centers with everything your pet needs from guppies to puppies. Offering curbside pickup in-store and online shopping at DelhiPetCenter.com. That's DelhiPetCenter.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Honda East. With evening and weekend hours designed to make servicing your vehicle easy. Honda East, just off I-275 on Beachmont Avenue. Get the car that I want. Online at HondaEastCincy.com. The highest standards, integrity, and best practices are core values at Rainbow International of Cincinnati and Northern Kentucky. Your partners in residential and commercial insurance repair and restoration. Rainbow International, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. 513-271-1000. A wedding is a day. A marriage is a lifetime. Catholic Engaged Encounter Weekends are a marriage preparation program led by married couples and a priest or deacon. This is time for a couple to learn about each other and their upcoming marriage. Based on communication, intimacy, and the family they grew up in. Find out more at Cincinnati-Covington.EngagedEncounter.com. That's Cincinnati-Covington.EngagedEncounter.com. I'm Bill Torbeck of Tri-State Abrasive and Tool Company, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. Diamond and CBN are the most advanced cutting tools because they are the hardest materials known. These enable you to machine three to eight times faster compared to carbide while reducing downtime for tool changes by 90%. Improve your productivity when machining hard, cast, and powdered metals or difficult-to-machine materials. Find out more at TheAbrasiveOne.com. That's the number one, TheAbrasiveOne.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Gate of Heaven Cemetery, serving the Archdiocese of Cincinnati for 76 years. They extend their heartfelt thanks to the community for entrusting Gate of Heaven to assist them during their time of sorrow. Share the gift of gratitude with your loved ones this Thanksgiving by attending a pre-planning seminar November 21st at 11 a.m., 2 p.m., or 6 p.m. More information at 513-489-0300 or email community at gateofheaven.org. This is Cardinal Raymond Burke. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. Sacred Continue on this Monday, November the 13th, by praying together a prayer to St. Joseph for all who are unemployed. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Silent and well-known carpenter in Nazareth, model of workers, by the work of your hands, you gave your contribution to the work of the Creator. You earned your living, and you provided for the needs of the Holy Family. Intercede for all workers in the difficulties of their daily lives, especially for the unemployed, and their anxieties for tomorrow so that through the guidance of God, the great architect and builder, they all may use their strength and talents to make visible God's new creation, to offer a concrete service to society, and to earn wages worthy of their efforts. With confidence and trust, we make this prayer through Jesus Christ, our Lord. St. Joseph the Worker, pray for us. It is a better way to start a Monday morning. It is also the Feast of St. Francis Xavier Cabrini uh, and Pope St. Nicholas I. There are a lot of good feasts 
in the month of November. We've been talking about some of those over the past uh, hour or so. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. We'll talk more with Dr. Matthew Bunsen about Pope St. Nicholas I, Nicholas the Great, as he is known in some circles. And we'll also catch up with Dr. Leonard DeLorenzo. Uh, we've been going through his book, A God Who Questions, and one of the questions Jesus asks seems like a like a fairly obvious question. He asks a, a man if he wants to be healed. I would think so, but Jesus still asks the question. So what does that tell us about that interaction? Dr. Benjamin Lewis has a very interesting translation to unpack today involving the Feast of St. Josephat, uh, which would have been over the weekend, and then Marlon de la Torre along with us as well. So please do stay with us if you can. Right now, it is two minutes past. News of service of Bridgetown Finer Meats and BridgetownFinerMeats.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. Still no signs of let up in the war between Israel and Hamas. The United Nations says one of its facilities in Gaza was damaged in an Israeli naval strike yesterday. The United Nations Relief and Works Agency guest house in Rafah said no one was injured in the strike as staff had left 90 minutes prior. More than 60 of the agency's facilities, many schools and shelters, have seen collateral or direct damage from Israeli attacks. During his Angelus address yesterday, Pope Francis prayed again for peace in the Holy Land after praying for Sudan. From Vatican Radio, Thaddeus Jones reports. Pope Francis has called attention to the serious humanitarian crisis in Sudan caused by the ongoing civil war in the African nation that shows no signs of abating. The Pope decried the many victims, including millions of internally displaced persons and refugees in neighboring countries. The Pope said he's close to the sufferings of the dear populations of Sudan, and he addresses a heartfelt appeal to local leaders to facilitate access to humanitarian aid and with the contribution of the international community to work in search of peaceful solutions. The Pope said, let us not forget these brothers and sisters of ours who are in distress. The Pope then spoke about the desperate situation regarding Israel and Palestine, underscoring his closeness to all those suffering, Palestinians and Israelis. He said he remembers and prays for them every day, and he offers them his embrace at this dark moment. The Pope exclaimed, may the weapons be stopped. They will never lead to peace, and may the conflict not spread. Enough, enough, brothers. He said, in Gaza, let the wounded be rescued immediately, and let civilians be protected, and let far more humanitarian aid be allowed to reach that stricken population. The Pope prayed also that may the hostages be freed, including the elderly and children. And he stressed that every human being, Christian, Jewish, Muslim, of any people or religion, every human being is sacred, is precious in the eyes of God, and has the right to live in peace. Let us not lose hope and let us pray and work tirelessly so that the sense of humanity may prevail over hardness of heart. I'm Thaddeus Jones. Pope Francis over the weekend relieved Bishop Joseph Strickland from his care of the Diocese of Tyler, Texas. The move coming after the Vatican ordered an apostolic visitation into the governance of the diocese a few months ago. The move was confirmed on Saturday. Bishop Strickland reportedly was asked to but declined to resign. The outspoken bishop has been a harsh critic of the Pope, accusing him of undermining the deposit of faith. An apostolic administrator has been appointed 
to run the diocese. The Pentagon says all five American service members aboard an aircraft were killed when it crashed into the eastern Mediterranean Sea on Friday night. According to a U.S. European Command statement, a mishap occurred during a routine air refueling mission. The statement emphasized that the crash was related to a training exercise and there were no indications of hostile activity. New York City Mayor Eric Adams is defending himself against accusations that the FBI is investigating his role in a Turkish consulate project. Mark Mayfield has more. The FBI is reportedly focusing on text messages related to the opening of the Turkish government's consulate in Manhattan. Federal investigators are looking into whether or not the texts from Adams helped fast-track the opening of the new building in 2021. This comes after the FBI raided the Brooklyn home of his top fundraiser. Adams has said he will fully cooperate with investigators. I'm Mark Mayfield. And with the clock ticking to avoid a government shutdown, House Speaker Mike Johnson is putting forward a two-step temporary funding plan as Friday's deadline approached. The first part of the plan would extend funding until January 19th for only a select handful of departments. The second would extend funding for the entire government until February 2nd. Neither bill includes additional aid for Israel or Ukraine. Speaker Johnson took to social media over the weekend to say the continuing resolution is a necessary bill to place House Republicans in the best position to fight for conservative victories. 8.07 now on the Sunrise Morning Show and Sports on Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine online at beaconortho.com. Here's Paul Lockman. Thank you very much, Anna Mitchell. Last uh, yesterday, I was going to say last night, but it was just uh, yesterday afternoon, the Cincinnati Bengals lost to the Houston Texans 30-27 to in uh, what seemed to be a back-and-forth game there toward the end. Bengals made it uh, interesting, tying the game at 27 when uh, it looked like for not. Cincinnati uh, had uh, Joe Burrow not at his sharpest. He was 27 of 40, and... Uh, what, uh, threw for 347 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Bengals sit at uh, five and four and will visit the Ravens on Thursday night. Bengals did get some help uh, with the Cleveland Browns knocking off the Ravens 33-31 in Baltimore. We got a double down this week. It was pretty big, though. The NFL had a record set with uh, five teams, including the Texans and Browns, Cardinals, Lions, and Seahawks all kicked game-winning field goals wow. as time expired. How do you like that? So, wow, uh, wow, wow. Uh, pretty impressive stuff. I guess, should I repent of my celebrating C.J. Stroud uh, and his last-minute comeback? Uh, Not this past week, but the week before. Uh, only if you Tampa. celebrated when he celebrated as he celebrate. ran in for I the score. Actually, Did we you were, see that? He, no, we were... Um, we were driving home from church so we didn't watch any of the Bengals game yesterday we were just listening on the radio and I got out to go into the grocery store when we had tied the game at the end and when I came out Will told me we had lost lost. yeah yeah. Well, when uh, I was at the game, it was pretty. It was oh, pretty really? cool. You know, wow. it, it was fun. Great, uh, great weather and whatnot. Uh, but the problem uh, that I'm going to bring up is, as long as you didn't cheer, uh, what I was going to say is, if you were watching the game, C.J. Stroud ran in for a touchdown, and when he did, he put up the O.H. Oh, brutal, brutal. 
So, wow. yeah, right in our home stadium and everything. Oh, man, I CJ, know. that was... That was a tough one. That was mean. Yeah. Well, let's get to uh, let's get to traffic so I don't have to talk about it anymore. Traffic and service of Larkin Cobb, Chevrolet, Buick, and GMC in Eaton, Ohio. On the web at LarkinCobb.com. Take it away, Ian. Um, Just one incident to report right now. There's a disabled vehicle blocking the right lane in the Dayton area. Southbound 75, right around Dryden. And that has you stacked up behind it back toward the 35 interchange. You'll remain slow for a little while until you get down towards 675. Things start clearing up about halfway to 675 from there. In the Cincinnati area, northbound 7175 is often on heavy and slow from Turfway up to the cut in the hill. Southbound 75 is slowing as you approach and uh, into downtown and then um, as you're crossing over the bridge as well into northern Kentucky. Northbound 471 Looks to be a bit heavy from, we'll say, Alexandria Pike up to the river. Now, for weather, warm again today, though it may not feel like it as you're walking out the door right now. So, trust me, mostly sunny skies today in Cincinnati with a high of 62 degrees. Some patchy frost possible tonight again, otherwise mostly clear with a low of 35, mostly clear tomorrow, and warm still with a high of 61. For the Miami Valley Dayton area, sunny today and a high of 62. A few clouds tonight with an overnight low of 32. Partly cloudy tomorrow and a high of 58 degrees. Travis, our video guy, sent me an event announcement. There is a St. Therese Brass concert tonight. I know so many people have been um, praying for the situation in the Holy Land. And so this concert tonight at Annunciation in Clifton will have a free will offering for Catholic Relief Services uh, to aid those who are affected in Gaza, particularly. They have been working very hard with uh, trying to provide humanitarian aid to all of the civilians caught up in this fighting between Israel and Hamas. So that's tonight, 7 to 8 o'clock at Annunciation, a free will offering for Catholic Relief Services. Today is Monday, November the 13th, the Feast of St. Francis Xavier Cabrini and somebody else we're going to talk about right now. It's 11 past. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Dr. Matthew Bunsen, Vice President and Editorial Director of EWTN News. Good morning, Doc. Good morning. Great to be with you. It is great to have you. Now, here in the United States, we focus on November 13th as the Feast of St. Francis Xavier Cabrini and Mother Cabrini, of course, a giant in American Catholic history, no doubt. But we are going to talk about another saint on the liturgical calendar today, that being Pope St. Nicholas I, the Great. Now, I was looking at this. Okay, he was elected in 858, and so that means he is coming to the papacy uh, after Pope St. Leo the Great, who we just celebrated on the calendar just a couple of days ago on the 10th, and Pope St. Gregory the Great. So he must have been rather impressive to earn (laughs) the title the Great after two guys like that. Yes, and then we can add in that there is one other saint that we generally now consider to call the great, and that's John Paul II. Yeah. So this is some pretty heady company. Uh, and Nicholas, I think, uh, has long 
escaped notice uh, on the part of many Catholics, and, and certainly in the history of the Church, uh, he's definitely overshadowed by both Leo and Gregory. And yet, uh, he was in his time called the Great, and we can rank him as arguably the the greatest of the early medieval popes. Wow. And to put in a nutshell what he did, he really helped to establish uh, the papacy at a time of uh, the unraveling of a lot of civilization uh, in the West uh, and set the stage for the reforming popes who followed him in the next 200 years. So he definitely does deserve to be called the Great, but he's also called the Great because he is a, a remarkable pope who is also a remarkable saint. Yeah, yeah. So let's dive into this and, and give him some uh, much-needed publicity here uh, <laughs> to a Catholic audience. So you mentioned that this is kind of the unraveling of the West. What was going on in the West during the time in which he lived? Yeah, if we go to the very start of the century, we have uh, the crowning of Charlemagne, uh, oh. one of the, the foremost rulers in the history of Christendom and the history of Western civilization, around 800. That empire began to fall apart uh, after Charlemagne's death. It was divided, and uh, we can see that uh, disintegration of what was called the Carolingian Empire had an effect then on order, on good society. Uh, there were divisions among his heirs, and into that vacuum, as always seemed to happen, uh, the papacy needed to step. It, it needed to really provide some sort of clarity in terms of culture. But at the same time, uh, in the north, you had the Danes who were on the march, uh, the, the pagan Danes who were invading uh, England and elsewhere. Uh, and in the south, uh, forgotten, uh, Muslim raiders and Muslim armies were constantly threatening uh, not just southern Italy, but all the way to Rome, which is why one of uh, the successors to Nicholas actually had to build what was called the, the Leonine Wall in order to try to keep Rome safe. Uh, so there was a lot happening in this era uh, of crisis. And then within the church, you had a lot of archbishops uh, who were overstepping their bounds, uh, deposing bishops and uh, forcing their will on the bishops surrounding them. So as I was saying, whoever came in as pope at this particular junction needed to have uh, a great strength of will but also the great patience to deal with all of these crises at the same time. And boy, it sounded like he did. As I was reading up on him, I was thinking, man, we don't understand the papacy in the same way anymore. I think probably in the wake of the loss of the papal states really is when we start seeing um, this kind of become lesser and lesser, if you will. But talk about his his sheer force in the, the realm of church-state relations. Well, that's right. Uh, now, he had the advantage that having grown up uh, in Rome from a pretty powerful family, he was well aware of the papacy. He was well aware of service, and he rose pretty rapidly uh, under several popes. And it was uh, after the death of Pope Benedict III, uh, as you know, in 858, uh, that he was subsequently elected. That's important because he was elected with the support of uh, the emperor and wasted no time at all uh, in really establishing himself as the, the chief spokesperson for the, the papal primacy in the church. He recognized immediately that all of that was being stepped on 
Uh, but as you note, uh, it was unusual for that era. And he was also very much aware of the need to defend the papal states, the actual territory that was possessed uh, by the popes and, and the great feudal system that was developing. So he moved on multiple fronts. Uh, for example, he moved against an archbishop by the name of John or Giovanni of Ravenna, uh, who was uh, waging war uh, in many different ways on the bishops in his province, the so-called suffragan bishops, and deposing some. He was uh, oppressing others. He was actually imprisoning, arresting and imprisoning priests that he didn't like. And Nicholas moved quickly then to bring him to heel in exactly the same way that he did uh, moved against another of archbishops, including Archbishop Hinkmar of Rennes. These are names that no one has really heard of or even discussed for a very, very long time. But it's important for us to know these names because they were opponents, really, of the rightful authority of the papacy in making these decisions. And Nicholas made it stick. He brought them all through synods to the request uh, to bringing them to Rome and negotiating with them through all the different means that he had at his disposal uh, to rec- have them recognize papal authority in exactly the same way that he did with different rulers. Yeah. Can you talk about his reputation for the holiness of life and, and what he has to say to us today, Dr. Bunsen? Well, that's right. He was a pope in what became called the Iron Age of the Papacy, which was a difficult time for the popes. He stands out as a saint, as an ascetic, as somebody who loved prayer, who called for Christians everywhere to fast on Wednesdays and Fridays. It's a lesson for us today uh, to fast and pray, and Nicholas understood the power of it. Pope St. Nicholas I, the Great, pray for us. Pray for us. Dr. Bunsen, thank you. Great to be with you. It was great to have you. All right, 19 past. Now on the Sunrise Morning Show, traffic and weather coming up next. Stay with us. I'm Father Rob Jack. Join me this afternoon for Driving Home to Faith. When Kristen Van Uden will share the latest articles from CatholicExchange.com. Richard and Bryce Newman will discuss the new movie entitled Miracle in Manchester. I'll reflect on the life of St. Francis Xavier Cabrini. There's frequent traffic and weather to get you home safely. That's this afternoon beginning at 4 on Sacred Heart Radio. You're on the road to Christ the King. makes the party and you can find the perfect party foods at bridgetown finer meats a proud supporter of sacred heart radio from mini sandwiches to their jumbo pretzel sandwich meat and cheese or vegetable and relish trays bridgetown finer meats can make hosting a party a breeze and choose your wine while you're there the bfm wine shop has high quality wines from all over the world bridgetown finer meats on bridgetown road 513-574-3100 on the web at bridgetownfinermeats.com You rely on your car, so rely on the experts at Fort Mitchell Garage, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. They can do it all from brakes, tires, and heating and cooling to towing and collision repair and more. Fort Mitchell Garage on Dixie Highway and Park Hills. On the web at fortmitchellgarage.com. This is John Kennedy, a State Farm agent serving Northern Kentucky and Cincinnati and a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. Whether it's home, auto, or life insurance, I can help with any of your insurance needs. I can be reached at 859-485-2000 or online at johnkennedyinsurance.com. Catholic Engaged Encounter Weekends are a marriage preparation program led by married couples and a priest or deacon. What makes this marriage prep program unique is you will have two days as a couple to delve into important subjects 
that will affect your relationship together for the rest of your lives. More time for prayer and reconciliation and closing the weekend with Mass. More information is at cincinnati-covington.engagedencounter.com. That's cincinnati-covington.engagedencounter.com. 21 minutes past the hour now, and this traffic report is a service of Rose Automotive pre-owned vehicles on Erie Highway in Hamilton on the web at roseautomotivegroup.com. Looks like they just cleared up an accident on southbound 75 in the downtown area, but that is why you are slowing down as you approach downtown on southbound 75. You'll continue to be slow into northern Kentucky, uh, an accident on the right shoulder just past the river. Northbound 7175 remains slow from uh, 275 up to the cut in the hill. And that looks to be about it in the Cincinnati area. The Dayton area uh, looks like they've cleared up the accident on, uh, or sorry, the disabled vehicle on South 75 around Dryden, but you are still heavy from 35 down toward Dryden. Now for weather, staying warm today. Here in Cincinnati, mostly sunny skies with a high of 62 degrees. Some patchy frost possible tonight, but otherwise mostly clear with a low of 35. Mostly clear tomorrow and a high of 61. For the Miami Valley Dayton area, sunny skies today and a high of 62. A few clouds tonight with an overnight low of 32. Partly cloudy tomorrow and a high of 58. Please join me in the prayer for Ohio. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Ever-living God. You give life and desire a future for all your children. Take hold of our nation, state, and community, and awaken in every heart, offer the gift of life. Send your spirit to strengthen us with wisdom and fortitude as we defend mothers and children in Ohio from laws that disregard their health and safety. Mary and Joseph trusted in you and welcomed Jesus into our broken world. Father, we ask their intercession to protect the preborn and their mothers and to guide all parents in raising their children. May they help us build a civilization of love by upholding the sacredness of life, preserving parental rights, and accompanying pregnant women in need. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Lady Mother of the Family, pray for us. St. Joseph, Protector of the Unborn, pray for us. Dr. Leonard DeLorenzo joins us next. It's 23 past. Attention, Sacred Heart Radio volunteers. Wednesday, December 6th is our Advent Pledge Drive, and we need volunteers to answer phones from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. that day. If you can help, even for an hour, call 513-731-7740 or visit sacredheartradio.com and click volunteer. We need your help to raise $60,000 on Wednesday, December 6th. If you can answer phones anytime that day, please visit sacredheartradio.com and click volunteer. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Sunset Janitorial Supply, a Catholic family business supplying the tri-state cleaning industry with commercial cleaning supplies, personal hygiene, equipment, and even machine repair. Free delivery to your business. More information at sunsetjanitorialsupply.com. Support comes from On a Mission to Love. For books, handcrafted gifts for baptism, communion, confirmation, wedding, birthdays, and more. All deeply based in the rosary and devotion to our Holy Mother. Onamissiontolove.com. That's onamissiontolove.com. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Is inflation making you feel frustrated and out of control when it comes to your expenses? We have a solution. It's Solidarity HealthShare. 
With Solidarity HealthShare, you control what doctors you go to and how much you spend with pricing options that start as low as $384 for families. Take control of your health care and your budget with Solidarity HealthShare. 855-954-5688. Solidarity HealthShare. 855-954-5688. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Rose Automotive. Serving the Hamilton area with a wide selection of pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs. Rose Automotive, celebrating over 30 years of automotive excellence. On Erie Highway in Hamilton, roseautomotivegroup.com. us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Dr. Leonard DeLorenzo. He's with the McGrath Institute for Church Life at Notre Dame, host of the Church Life Today podcast and author of, among other books, the one we're going through right now, A God Who Questions from our Sunday Visitor. Good morning, Dr. DeLorenzo. Morning, Annie. It's good to have you back. And the question that we will be reflecting upon today is from the Gospel of John, chapter 5, verses 1 through 6, the healing at the pool of Bethsaida. It says this, After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem, by the Sheep Gate, a pool in Hebrew called Bethzatha, which has five porticos. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, paralyzed, One man was there who had been ill for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew that he had been lying there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? And it's like, uh, (laughs) why do you think I'm here, Jesus? I mean, what a question from our Lord. Yeah, and that's exactly what got me pondering this question is what a peculiar question to ask. Do you want to be healed? It's not a question of what ails you or how do you feel or anything like that. It's a very direct question. Do you want to be healed? And if we pause and really consider that, the Lord asks it because there must be some significance to it. It must matter quite deeply, not just that this man needs to be healed, but in fact that he wants to be healed, that he'll consent to being healed. And if we read this, it's not, of course, that he's just been there for a few days or a few weeks. It says he's been ill for 38 years. And I think the other thing, at least for me here to ponder, is the sort of stretch of time and the sort of depth of what could have been despair or hopelessness that came about in that time, just resigned to his fate, maybe even some bitterness for having been left there all this time without healing. But in this critical moment, the Lord asks him, do you want to be healed? And he, of course, consents to it. And the Lord heals him as he wishes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so much to unpack here. I found it interesting in the book. How do you see this man representing Israel in a way? So one of the things that I have paid some attention to is, you know, I think as many other people do, is the way in which days of Jesus's ministry or days uh, relative to Israel in the Gospels point back to years that Israel would have spent in their wanderings in the desert. So, of course, Mm -hmm. when Jesus is tempted in the desert, he is tempted in the desert for 40 days. He enters in willingly to the condition that Israel was subjected to in their temptations and sinfulness for 40 years traveling from Egypt to Canaan. 
But here, these 38 years that this man himself has been lying there is also the span of time that the Israelites, in their journey from Egypt to the Promised Land, went from Kadesh, where they rebelled against the Lord, to the Promised Land of Canaan, so about two years after their departure from Egypt. Hmm. And those 38 years are, of course, for the Israelites, 38 years of temptation and strife and suffering. It could be that during this time, they could lose hope, right? They're promised a new land where they'll be able to worship freely, a land flowing with milk and honey. But through their, in in many ways, their own lack of fitness for that freedom of worship, they take the circuitous route through the desert, uh, through this time of trial. And so this man who lies near the pools of healing waters, who has not been placed in, who has not been healed, in his 38 years of suffering, it is perhaps an opportunity for us to point back to that time when Israel had to grow in hope and longing for the completion of the promise that the Lord had given to them. And of course, the promise given to this man or to any who are ill is that all shall be well with your Lord and God when the time comes. And so this man's both resilience and willingness to hope, to be ready to respond to the invitation to healing when it came, is I think uh, also an indication of Israel's uh, willingness in the end to accept the Lord's blessings. You know what I find really convicting in this story is the very next verse, verse seven, it says, the sick man answered him, Jesus asked, do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is troubled. And while I am going, another steps down before me. I mean, how many times have I deliberately ignored someone in need of healing Mm. for whatever reason, but I might have been able to help aid him in that process of healing? Mm. Yeah, and in that way, that's such a great, great highlight that here it's also an indication, not just of this man's uh, need for healing, but of the Lord's look of mercy. He he is the one who recognizes suffering acutely and moves towards it, willing to do what needs to be done to heal the suffering that he sees. In this way, I think we see that Jesus is truly the one who is the Good Samaritan, the one who moves toward the one who's lying wounded in the ditch, who goes into and joins in the condition of the one who's wounded, who lifts him up and brings him to the place of healing. So Jesus, of course, anything he commands, he also himself first does. And here what he does is he sees suffering as suffering, and he acts directly in response to that suffering to heal. Those are the two movements of mercy the ability and the willingness to see suffering as suffering and the volitional action to do something about it. And we're called to do the same. I mean, I often have read this passage or heard this passage and thought, why didn't this guy get up and help himself? You know, I mean, Mm. like having that sort of um, like looking down Mm -hmm. upon him in his misery, like he could have done something for himself and maybe he could have. I don't know. But that isn't that isn't really the point here. I mean, I think about what we say in the confidier for, you know, I'm sorry for my sins and, you know, in what I have done and what I have failed to do, Mm. I have failed to help this man many times in my life. 
Indeed. He, as we hear it, he needs someone to lift him up and put him in. And I think if if we reflect on this, all of our forms of healing, almost all of our forms of healing require the assistance of someone else. And mm. for those of us who are ailing or suffering in some way physically or spiritually or psychologically, sometimes the hardest thing for us when we're ailing is to accept the help that is really offered and that we really need. Oftentimes we might want help just on our terms or we might stick to some stubbornness or pride to want to do for ourselves what we must, what we, you know, what we need. But in this case, and in most cases, we need to be helped by another. And so while this is, as we were just talking about, a focus on the mercy of Jesus, it's also a focus on the humility of this man to accept the mercy that comes mm -hmm. to him. Yeah. And things get really interesting when we allow Jesus to ask us that question, do you want to be healed? <laughs> indeed. Indeed. I think that's right. Yeah, I think, you know, that is a question that comes to all of us. For whatever ails us, do we really want to be liberated from it? Yeah, or do we want to sit there and wallow in it and do things <laughs> our own way? Absolutely. The book is called A God Who Questions. It's from our Sunday visitor, and you can find it linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Dr. DeLorenzo, appreciate the reflections this morning. Thank you. Thank you so much. You bet. All right, it's 34 minutes past the hour now. It's time for news. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu says he's trying to get field hospitals set up in Gaza. Speaking on NBC's Meet the Press yesterday, Netanyahu said he wants civilian patients to be able to move out of Gaza's main hospital, which is reportedly above the underground headquarters of Hamas, according to Israel. The hospital itself is without power and there are images of people, including babies in a NICU, dying. The prime minister said he has reached out to the United Nations and leaders from different countries to build field hospitals. He noted that French President Emmanuel Macron sent a floating hospital. Netanyahu added he had offered Hamas, quote, enough fuel for the main hospital, which he said Hamas rejected. Meanwhile, Netanyahu has also said there may be a deal in the works to free more hostages being held by Hamas. Mark Mayfield has more. Appearing on NBC's Meet the Press, Netanyahu didn't go into any detail, saying the chances of a deal are better the less he talks about it. He did say Israel was not close at all to any agreement until its forces began a ground operation into Gaza. The prime minister was responding to reports of a possible deal for the release of as many as 80 women, children and elderly being held captive. An estimated 240 hostages are currently held by Hamas. I'm Mark Mayfield. Pope Francis appealed again for the Holy Land during his Angelus address yesterday. He said, quote, may the weapons be stopped. They will never lead to peace. And may the conflict not widen. Enough, enough, brothers, he said. In Gaza, let the wounded be rescued immediately. Let civilians be protected. Let far more humanitarian aid be allowed to reach that stricken population. May the hostages be freed, including the elderly and children, end quote. Pope Francis over the weekend relieved Bishop Joseph Strickland from his care of the Diocese of Tyler, Texas. This coming after the Vatican had ordered an apostolic visitation into the governance of the diocese. The move was confirmed on Saturday. Bishop Strickland was reportedly asked to resign but declined. The outspoken bishop has been a harsh critic of the Pope, accusing him of undermining the deposit of the faith. An apostolic administrator has been appointed to run the Diocese of Tyler. 
8.36 now, coming up on 8.37 on the Sunrise Morning Show. Sports on Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine online at beaconortho.com. Here's Paul Lachman. All right, things did not go as planned for the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. They lost to the Houston Texans at home. Not what you want to do at all. 30-27 to 27 final score. Cincinnati short turnaround will face the Baltimore Ravens Thursday night. Ravens had uh, uh, also a a, uh, down Sunday. The Cleveland Browns staged a huge comeback to upset the uh, Baltimore Ravens 33-31 in Baltimore. The NFL actually set a record with five teams, including the Texans and Browns, all kicking game-winning field goals as time expired. Week 10 wraps up with the Buffalo Bills hosting the Denver Broncos. Xavier moved to 2-0 over the weekend, and tonight will visit second-ranked Purdue. Cincinnati edged Eastern Washington last night in college. Hoops 85-73. Bearcats are 3-0. Heading into next Sunday's game against Northern Kentucky. Dayton fell to Northwestern 71-66. Flyers are 1-1 and will take on LSU on Thursday. That's a look at sports. We got more on the Sunrise Morning Show right after this. The whole message of Advent is that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness will not overcome it. That's why we're asking you to help us raise $60,000 during Sacred Heart Radio's Advent Pledge Drive on Wednesday, December 6th. We are broadcasting on seven media platforms now. We're on two radio frequencies. We podcast. We live stream on the internet. We live stream on our own app and on our own smart speaker channel. We even video stream the Sunrise Morning Show, all in an effort to bring the voice of Christ in all the ways that people like to consume their media. But it costs about $75 an hour to operate all this. So our $60,000 goal is really just the beginning of what we need to keep this going through 2024 and beyond. And that's why we need you to tell everyone you know about Sacred Heart Radio. So they're hooked and motivated to give Wednesday, December 6th during Sacred Heart Radio's Advent Pledge Drive. But you don't have to wait until St. Nicholas Day. You can give right now at sacredheartradio.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Dr. Robert Berger at Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Dr. Berger has been recognized by Cincinnati Magazine nearly every year over the past 20 years as one of the top physicians in orthopedic surgery, and he serves as team physician for Xavier University, Mount St. Joseph University, and LaSalle High School. Dr. Berger treats patients of all ages at the Beacon West office on Harrison Avenue and on the east side at Cincinnati Sports Club. For more information, 513-354-3700, online at beaconortho.com. Sacred Heart Radio is blessed to have the support of Larkin Cobb Chevrolet Buick GMC in Eaton, Ohio, offering a wide range of new and used cars, trucks, and SUVs with on-site financing. Larkin Cobb, close to Eaton, Richmond, Dayton, and Brookville. On the web at LarkinCobb.com. Women from the greater Cincinnati area are invited to a fall women's conference with Father Nathan Cromley, Saturday, November 11th at St. Maximilian Colbe Parish in Liberty Township. More information at sacredheartradio.com slash events. The Sunrise Morning Show continues, and it is always great to catch up with Dr. Benjamin Lewis from the International Commission on English and the Liturgy to take a look at translation questions in the life of the church and especially in the liturgical life of the church. Dr. Lewis, good morning. Good morning, Matt. How are you? 
I'm doing great, and I'm very excited to talk about St. Josephat, who is not someone that we get to talk about very much. But he That's shows right. up, and uh, in this case, uh, you wanted to look at a prayer after communion related to St. Josephat. Now, these prayers after communion are, I mean, if, if anybody's going to tune out a part of the Mass, this is often when a lot of people tune out parts of the Mass because they're often engaged in their own personal prayer. I know I am. Sure, But sure. how— how does uh, St. Josephat get recognized in this prayer of communion, and um, what, do we, what do we hear about him in it? Yeah, so this would have been uh, yesterday if it hadn't been a Sunday, uh, but the 12th of November is the memorial of St. Josephat. And so after communion, this is the prayer, and it, it, it beautifully points to some aspects of his life, which we'll talk about once I read it. So this is the prayer after communion, which you, you may or may not hear if you're engaged in your own personal prayer after receiving communion. May this heavenly table, O Lord, bestow on us a spirit of fortitude and peace, so that, following St. Josephat's example, we may willingly spend our lives working for the honor and unity of the Church through Christ our Lord. All right, so honor and unity jump out to me immediately because I know just sure. a little bit about the story of St. Josephat. Yeah, so it's interesting because, yeah, that pair, honor and unity, is sort of parallel to another pair at the beginning of the prayer, bestow on us a spirit of fortitude and peace. And there's an interesting connection between fortitude and honor and peace and unity that's illustrated in the life of St. Josephat, who was an Eastern Rite Catholic monk priest and bishop and a martyr. So this is in this difficult period where uh, he was living in a largely orthodox uh, environment, uh, and there was a lot of concern that anybody who was uh, in union with Rome was going to sort of lose their Eastern Christian traditions and their liturgy, and they were going to sort of be made to conform to a, a Western Latin Roman uh, form of Christianity. Um, but St. Josephat was a, a beautiful witness to how you can be Catholic and still preserve your Eastern Christian traditions and, and liturgy. So he was, uh, he was martyred for that, um, and so he laid down his life in peace uh, and also in courage and fortitude um, for the sake of Christian unity. Um, and so um, we're praying that God would bestow on us that same spirit of fortitude and peace so that we could both bring honor to the church and unity to the church, as St. Right, Joseph so, had did. So I know you're a liturgical translator, but you're also a human being. Mm -hmm. And this appeals to me in so many ways uh, because you and I both came from a Wesleyan Christian tradition and we both That's became right. Catholic. And there's this question that sometimes happens, and I joke about this with some of my friends who are still Wesleyans and, and you know, in the United Methodist tradition, like, oh, well, I guess you forgot everything that John Wesley ever taught you, everything you cared about. And I'm like, we sing John Wesley hymns at Christmas. Give, you know, like, <laughs> get off our back a little bit. But this yeah. idea of the fortitude to follow Christ towards uh, his body, the church, but also the desire for unity who don't understand this, at least not yet. I mean, that is a very, very large part of my story. I know it's a very large part of yours. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, so it's a, it's a wonderful example St. Josephat gives us of how you can be 
firm in your convictions and yet peaceful and willing to to lay down your life and not fight others who might disagree with you, even to the point of wanting to kill you. Yeah, especially those who come from, you know, who are still in the world that you came from. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I mean, this is, this is where it gets really dicey. But I want to know, because you've got a story related to the altar of St. Josephat at St. Peter's Basilica. Fill me in on this one. Yeah, so St. Josephat is a sort of unofficial patron of ICEL because we started... Uh, ISIL had its beginning at the Second Vatican Council, and uh, it was October 2nd, 1963. So it was the second session of the Second Vatican Council, uh, and the, the council was meeting in St. Peter's Basilica in the main part of the church, the nave. But they were uh, in between meetings, they were having coffee breaks. And so they set up little coffee bars uh, near some of the side altars and the side aisles. And one of those coffee bars was set up near the altar of St. Basil. Uh, And as you may know, St. Josephat was a monk of the order of St. Basil. And so uh, it's actually the month after that the the bishops met at this coffee bar uh, that his relics were deposited beneath the altar of St. Basil. But it was in October of 1963 that four English-speaking bishops met at the coffee bar during one of the coffee breaks of the Second Vatican Council to discuss having a more formal meeting with all of the English-speaking bishops' conferences uh, to to begin this collaborative work of translating these liturgical texts into English. So that was really the beginning. Uh, October 2nd, 1963 was the informal beginning of ICEL, and it was right there at the altar of St. Basil. One month later, the relics of St. Josephat were deposited underneath that altar. So it's now also called the altar of St. Josephat. And it's a beautiful example. The Pope insisted that his relics be brought to St. Peter's because he was such a champion of unity with Rome. He wanted this martyr's relics to be near St. Peter's relics as a sign and a symbol of, of his unity and his closeness with St. Peter. Well, that is an awesome story. That is so cool. Uh, yeah. you know, it, it, it's it, it's funny because, you know, a lot of people point to, you know, sort of the Wikipedia stories of people like when was something founded? Well, when the business, you know, agreement was sent in the 501c3, whatever was like came right. through. But how do they really start? They really start like over coffee somewhere. And how cool somewhere. is it that you guys started <laughs> yeah. it at the altar of St. Basil? That is that is awesome. Um, well, if our listeners want to connect with you, Dr. Benjamin Lewis, Find out more about ISIL, the International Commission on English and the Liturgy. Maybe even get your Divine Office hymnal, because I know we've got a lot of Divine Office people uh, listening right now. How do they do so? Yeah, you can find us on the web at icelweb.org. And we've got contact information there. You can reach out to us by phone or email. And the Divine Office hymnal is being published right now by GIA. Very cool. Well, we've got it all linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Dr. Benjamin Lewis, thank you as always. Have a wonderful day. You too, Matt. All right, 12 till. There's another saint on the calendar today that we haven't even gotten to talk about yet, St. Stanislaus Koska. And turns out he's kind of a big deal. So more on him coming up after the break. It's 12 till. 
Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from St. Michael's Rosaries and Religious Articles in beautiful Miamisburg. Unique rosaries including custom-made, one-of-a-kind rosaries and Catholic books and gifts for all occasions. Online at stmichaelscustomrosaries.com. That's stmichaelscustomrosaries.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Hoting Realtors. Equipped with the latest technology and market knowledge, Hoting Realtors can make the buying and selling process easier. 513-451-4800 and Hoting.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Gate of Heaven Cemetery, serving the Archdiocese of Cincinnati for 76 years. They extend their heartfelt thanks to the community for entrusting Gate of Heaven to assist them during their time of sorrow. Share the gift of gratitude with your loved ones this Thanksgiving by attending a pre-planning seminar November 21st at 11 a.m., 2 p.m., or 6 p.m. More information at 513-489-0300 or email community at gateofheaven.org. Looking for a special gift for a loved one this holiday season? Consider an offering of rest, prayer, and a time for reflection. Give the gift of a weekend retreat at the Jesuit Spiritual Center a time to get away from the busyness of life and embrace God's love and mercy. Call now at 513-248-3500 for more information. That's 513-248-3500, 513-248-3500. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. Anna Mitchell, we'll cover it up in Cool Saint stories today. I know, man. That was an awesome one. Like, who knew? Like, wow. to be at the altar of St. Basil or... Yeah, that, that's that's a cool story. Yep. Um, I I love hearing those like backstories about translations because they kind of just show up by magic. I know. And uh, <laughs> it's kind of cool to hear there. There's some their voting on uh, translations that is going to be happening at the USCCB at the meeting. USCCB this week. Yeah. We should have asked him if he was nervous about it. Yeah, we should have. We should. Uh, bishops, we should get his hot take once they come. Are through. the bishops going to be okay with what you did? I don't know, Doctor. I mean, Lewis? imagine. Imagine your work being, like, reviewed by the whole USCCB. Although I think that all of all the things on their minds, that's not going to be, like, the most contentious of issues. Yeah, probably not. But right. at any rate. So today on the calendar, there are many things. Uh, Mother Cabrini, we've talked many about Pope St. Nicholas the Great. Many people. Many, many items of interest involving people. But today on the calendar is St. Stanislaus Kostka, who was a Jesuit novice uh, when he died at the age of uh, 17, and because he was a person who was known for his reputation for sanctity in his teenage years, he happens to be one of the people, one of the eight people profiled in my wife Colleen's first book, Ablaze, Stories of Daring Teen Saints. So that's how I even know about him. Mm -hmm. um, and there's much to be said about his formation, uh, his whole life. There's, um, there's a lot of it that goes on. He's born in 1550, which means he's born right smack dab in the middle of the Reformation, the Reformation and yeah. the founding of the Jesuits. Um, but I wanted to look at something that my wife was able to like include in the book, which is fascinating. And this is maybe one of the most useful pages in her entire book about teenage saints. She uh, transcribes St. Stanislaus Koska's daily schedule. Oh, nice. Okay. As a Jesuit novice. Give it to me. So I don't know what if, if there's some teenagers listening right now, this will be useful to you, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be useful to like literally anyone listening. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so St. Stanislaus, first, he's awakened by the bell. Got it. Immediately a half an hour of prayer. Oh, wow. And then he gets dressed, makes bed, mm -hmm. and there's an hour of prayer. Now, okay. uh, half hour of prayer, he gets dressed and makes his bed. So that's like, what, five minutes? 
Oh, well, it depends. He's probably, I mean. Well, if he's me, it takes In your world, you might be dressed. showering, shaving. Right. Whatever. Okay, that's a good um, point. Then he spent a half an hour analyzing how successful or unsuccessful his prayers were that, that morning. Wow. Like journaling. So that's like a little journaling time. Okay. Then he went to mass. Okay. Then he had like a half an hour class, or if he didn't have class, he either he, he worked on homework from the previous day's class just to make sure it was ready for the day. Okay. Then he would be in some half hour discussion of a lecture or work from the previous day's class. Uh, then an examination of conscience, uh, which is actually that's Ignatian. In that's Ignatian. Nature. That's something yeah. a lot of people do at the end of the day. He did it before, which wow. actually would save a lot of heartache if I did yeah. more examinations of conscience at the beginning of the day. That's a good point. <laughs> Uh, then chores, then some memorization work uh, involving this, the rules of the Society of Jesus, some memorization of the catechism. Then some physical exercise. Good. So good. he had recess. Okay. Well, I mean, actually, this wouldn't be recess. This is more like P.E. Sure. Then lunch. Then lunch? Yes. He did all of that stuff before lunch? He did all that before lunch. Bear wow. in mind, a bunch of these things are like half an hour. You can work in a lot if you okay, wake up. Well, you know what it didn't like mention? You didn't mention breakfast. I'm assuming that that would be sometime in the dress and make bed part. Or maybe he fasted. Uh, I I feel like St. Ignatius would not, like, cut breakfast off from his Jesuits. I know Jesuits. They're not (laughs) going to cut that corner if they don't have to. (laughs) Okay. So, lunch, one hour of recreation. So, an hour of recess. Okay, nice. That's the recess. Yeah. Then some homework and self-study. Then two hours of group study. Memorizing okay. catechism, working on homiletics. Okay. Then another half an hour of exercise because he's like a teenager. And you can't just work on your brain all day. Yeah. Then a half an hour of prayer. Then mm. some dinner. Then another hour of, re- of recess. Recreation. Nice. And then examination of conscience in bed. Wow. I'm not saying you have to replicate this. But I am saying it's pretty good to have a solid hour and a half prayer a solid two hours, actually two and a half hours of recreation and exercise mm-hmm. worked into your day somehow. And uh, mix that in with the study. What's actually shocking when you read this is how little time he spent going to school, how much time he spent rather in prayer and like recreation and exercise. The making of a saint right so. there. Wow. I mean, that's such a lesson for us as parents, I think, Matt, when um, we, I mean, my kids go to a school where they don't really send you home with homework, Yeah. except in, you know, rare occasions, there's some homework, but it's not a thing until you get to like fourth or fifth grade and um, recognizing the importance of letting your mind rest as a child and I think this stress on prayer, the importance of prayer and leisure and just, I mean, I guess it doesn't say it specifically, but getting outside and and having some physical activity. I mean, especially in this day and age when your kid's just going to want to sit and watch TV watch or TV. sit with the Nintendo Switch and, you know, and that's kind of how they let their mind rest. I don't but, think that's... I mean, I can point to kids and say that that's a problem, but that's why I said at the very beginning of this, how about grown-ups? Yeah, how about grown-ups? Modeling how grown-ups this. take a look at this? Spend You waking time up, what's your first thing that you do? Memorizing the catechism? What? You know, 
Anna Mitchell, a dog returns to his vomit, and so a fool returns to his folly. But also a dog returns to his vomit, and so a fool who went to bed upset about the world checks Twitter first thing in the morning. Mm -hmm. Or turns on cable news first thing in the morning. Mm -hmm. Or checks all the frustrating... Like, we fill our heads with all kinds of stuff when we say we don't have time to pray, we don't have time to exercise. We certainly have time to fill our head with chaos and rage. We have time to doom scroll. We got time to get... But Matt, that is only a couple of minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I think you lost 45 minutes. 45 does not equal a couple. All right. We'll be back tomorrow. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. Ryan Lopez here. What do you think we need more of in our world? It's obvious that we need Sacred Heart Catholic Radio and more of it. That is why we have recently expanded to seven different media platforms. On December 6th, we invite you to join us in our Advent Pledge Drive as we look to raise $60,000. Your pledge of $10, $20, $50 a month will ensure that we can illuminate the darkness of the world with the light of Christ. So we invite you to join our mission December 6th, or you can visit sacredheartradio.com today and click Donate. Support is for MetaShare. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that is MetaShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MetaShare to pay for health care can save many families up to 500 bucks a month, and that is huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The member satisfaction rate for MetaShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works, too. It's been around for 30 years. Members have shared more than $5 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, really, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan you're happy with. You can call right now. You'll get a price within two minutes. So see what you can say. This is a very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. Call 844-55-BIBLE. That's 844-55-BIBLE. 844-55-BIBLE. I'm Bill Torbeck of Tri-State Abrasive and Tool Company, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. We strive to provide the highest quality diamond and CBN products manufactured by privately owned companies enabling us to provide prompt and personal service and you to avoid the unnecessary cost and frustrations of dealing with bureaucracies. Find us online at theabrasiveone.com. That's the number one, theabrasiveone.com, theabrasiveone.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Honda East, the place to find a brand-new Honda or pre-owned vehicle with no haggle, no hassle pricing. Honda East, just off I-275 on Beachmont Avenue. Help me, Honda East. Online at HondaEastCincy.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Trinity Church Supply, providing church supplies and religious gifts worldwide. From Catholic greeting cards, books, and willow tree, to sterling silver medals, rosaries, sacramental gifts, and statues. Trinity Church Supply, 5479 North Bend Road. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Delhi and Harrison Pet Centers with everything your pet needs from guppies to puppies. Offering curbside pickup in-store and online shopping at DelhiPetCenter.com. That's DelhiPetCenter.com. This is Father Benedict Kroll, the Director of Mission Advancement for the Angelicum in Rome. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at Sacred Heart.